Hey, 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 hey. How are you, folks? Yeah, yeah, stop doing that over there. Yes. Eyes to the front. Sit up straight. Good morning and welcome to another five and a bit hours of God knows what will happen radio. That's right. Um, I sort of set the agenda, but if there's something you want to talk about, then you set the agenda and we'll have a chat. We'll engage. We'll encourage some conversation and we'll see if we come out on the other end any wiser. Uh, hopefully we'll have a laugh along the way. That's what we do. And we'll play some of the best classic rock ever recorded here on the Triple M Network. But we're about to embark on five and a bit hours of God knows what will happen next radio. One triple three five three. The number hasn't changed. You can continue those emails and we appreciate them on the night shift at triple M.com.au. You can engage with us on Facebook, which Thomas organizes. And uh, I don't know. Basically, we're a talk radio station, so if you could ring up and talk, that'd be great. Um, Unfortunately, the national debate over juvenile crime continues again, and this will go on for quite some time, because what happened to that that poor woman in Brisbane uh, near Ipswich on the weekend has captivated the nation, because... All of Australia, not just Brisbane, not just Ipswich, not just Townsville, but all of Australia is sick and fed up with juvenile crime running this place. And we only have ourselves to blame, according to the experts. We'll look uh, into this in more detail later this morning, because what's happened is we find out that that 16-year-old boy who's been accused of stabbing the Ipswich grandmother was out on bail. He'd been on bail for multiple armed robbery offences at the time. The teen had been charged with three counts of armed robbery last year. And the court granted him bail, and that is despite the police opposing it. Which brings us to another problem. When police strongly oppose bail and magistrates grant it, and then the person on bail goes out and commits a horrendous crime, who's to blame? Who's to blame? I'm going to get to that in just a second. But this poor woman, Violene White, was fatally stabbed in the underground car park of her local shops at the Red Bank Town Centre last Saturday when her Hyundai Gets was allegedly stolen in circumstances that have shocked the nation. And five teens, three aged 16 and two just 15, have been charged in relation to the incident. Four of them, including the accused killer, appeared in courts across the southeast yesterday. And media outlets across the country have applied for access to the courtroom, so details of all four cases could be made public amid community anger and frustration. But just one, Richland's magistrate Aaron Simpson was willing to use his discretion to open his courtroom so the details of the case against one of the 16-year-olds charged with one count of unlawful use of a motor vehicle could be reported on. The fact that all three magistrates who heard the other four cases, including one on Monday, had opted to keep their courtrooms closed has prompted an extraordinary public intervention by the Premier, Stephen Miles. In front of a packed function room at the Brisbane Convention Centre, 
The Queensland Premier said he would speak to his Attorney-General about changing magistrate behaviour. And this is along the lines to allow journalists into youth courtrooms so that we, the public, can know what's going on. But getting back to this 16-year-old who has been charged with the senseless death of Violeen White, remember he, he did this allegedly in front of her six-year-old granddaughter, to find out that he was out on bail for serious, serious charges and that the police had opposed his being released on bail makes this even worse, in my opinion. 13353 is the telephone number. I'm going to talk to the leader of the opposition in Queensland, David Crucifilli, a little later this morning, and I urge you to, to have a listen to what he has to say. He says that the whole Queensland Justice Act needs to be rewritten. Maybe that's going a little too far, but something's got to give, hasn't it? And I'll say it again, this is not a Queensland problem. It's a national problem. And maybe the solution could be a national solution because you're going to meet an amazing bloke. His name is Bob Davis. You remember we were talking to Senator Pauline Hanson earlier in the week and I asked her what she thought the, uh, the answer to Queensland's youth crime problem is. And she said, well, they need tough love. These kids need tough love. And she said, um, she mentioned a boot camp called Hard Yakka and I, I didn't know anything about it. Well, I tell you what, I do now. And the bloke who runs it is a, a fellow called Bob Davis, who's ex-military. And he and some volunteers run Operation Hard Yakka. It's a military-style youth diversion training course. And it's going strong at Susan River. He's been running this program for 13 years. And he's invited me to go up and have a look at just what they do so that I can get my head around it, but I can imagine. And I've recorded a conversation with Bob Davis and I'll be replaying it shortly. I urge you, I urge you to stop what you're doing and have a listen to what he has to say because he says he gets results. And yes, often he will receive clients, in inverted commas, troubled youth, to attend his boot camp against their will. They go kicking and screaming. If the magistrate says you're off to Bob Davis's boot camp, that's where you have to go. And he said, you should see the results we get. I actually said to him, Thomas, is it a bit like trying to break in a wild Brumby? And he laughed. He said, great analogy. He said, there's one bloke there who is now a volunteer who helps with these kids. He said, he said, he's an Aboriginal man that came to my boot camp many years ago, kicking and screaming. He's now a volunteer who works with troubled kids. And Bob Davis is actually godfather to this man's daughter now. He said, that's how close we are. And this Aboriginal boy, when he first went to Bob Davis, was written off, was going to spend his life in jail and uh, was going to spend the rest of his life committing crimes. And this boot camp, turned him around. It's a great yarn, Thomas. And uh, I know you and my listeners will enjoy uh, listening to Bob Davis. He's an, he's an amazing bloke. And that's coming up very shortly. So it's just one suggestion. It was Pauline Hanson that put me on to Hard Yakka. And uh, I'm glad that she did.
Bob Davis, the man who runs an army boot camp called Hard Yakka, is coming up very soon here on the Night Shift. I urge you to listen to what he has to say and then call me and tell me what you think. It's interesting when I say I'm going to be talking to David Crucifilli, leader of the opposition in Queensland, because he agrees with Pauline Hanson, and they don't agree a a lot often. But uh, Pauline Hanson said to me earlier in the week, she said one message that keeps coming back to her, and it comes back to me here through Talkback Radio, is that a lot of parents are frustrated that they feel their power Their powers to be able to be a good parent have been taken away by the state, that we've become too soft and way too woke, and the kids have no consequences when they play up. So that's interesting. Also interesting to note that Katrina uh, Carroll, who was the police commissioner in Queensland, has defiantly declared she won't step aside despite calls for her to resign amid this youth crime crisis. The adamant declaration comes as Queensland police and crime victim advocates voice their frustration at the bail laws. As I say, following the revelation that the 16-year-old accused of murdering the Ipswich grandmother was on bail. So more on that as the morning rolls on. One triple three five three. Look, there is an, another interesting story. It, it is a parallel to this story, and it comes out of the United States. And it's the story of Jennifer Crumbly. Listen to this. Jennifer Crumbly is the mother of a teenager who killed four students at Oxford Michigan High School back in 2021. And Jennifer Crumbly, this mother, was found guilty on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter in what can only be described as a novel legal case that stood as a test of the limits of who's responsible for a child's crime. This mother, Jennifer Crumbly, stood before a jury of 12 who deliberated for more than 10 hours. She pleaded not guilty to the charges in November 30. Because she's the mother of a teenager who went about a mass shooting at this high school. Four students were killed, six students and a teacher wounded. And listen to this. The prosecution, this is in America. I understand it's in the United States where anything can happen. But the prosecution argued that the mother, Jennifer Crumbly, was ultimately responsible for the deaths because she was a grossly negligent mother. She even gave her son a gun, who was 15 at the time. She failed to get him proper mental health treatment, despite warning signs. And over a week of testimony, law enforcement officials, school employees, shooting victims, and those who knew this mother testified for the prosecution. Now, I'll go into it in a bit more detail, but I just wanted to outline, that is a fascinating precedent in the United States. You've got a mother who the prosecution has said was grossly negligent as a parent. And so she was charged also with the murders of those four students at that high school shooting. I don't know if that would ever, ever happen here, but imagine, imagine if the DPP could charge 
a negligent parent when the child goes off the rails. They look into the child's background. They find out that the parents were hopeless, were dead shits, did nothing, nothing at all to curb their child's behaviour after years of warning signs. And the parents could be charged with negligence and possibly go to jail. Wow. What do you make of that, folks? One triple three five three. Should some parents be charged when their children break the law? Unbelievable. See the things you hear here on the night shift. It's all true. It's a hundred percent true. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um God, Bob Catter, we love Bob Catter here on the night shift. Unfortunately, he's ranting about something that most of you will agree with, but he's got it wrong. In case you haven't heard, Thomas, what happened is Bob Catter went to go and get some lunch, some fish and vegetables, God bless him, at uh, a well-known cafe that's within the hallowed halls of Parliament House. And when he was there, he went to go and pay with a $50 note. And he was told by the staff at this iconic dining room that the venue no longer accepted cash. He tried to pay for his lunch with his 50 bucks. They said, no, we don't accept cash here. It's all tap and go. Well, can you imagine Bob Catter? He went off his nut. And I'm I'm with him. I can understand his frustration. Bob Catter, he said, legal tender means you must accept it. It's the law, he ranted. I fight the battle because otherwise all your freedom is gone, quote. You can't buy a loaf of bread without the bank's permission. The banks will now have to com- will have complete control of your life. I totally get where Bob Catter's coming from, but I've done some research and he's wrong. Uh, yes, $50 is legal tender, but it's only regarded as legal tender where it's accepted. Can you believe it, folks? There are shops, there are retailers in Australia that can refuse your cash. They have a right to accept the payment of their choice. They have the right to say, we only accept checks, or to say, we don't accept checks. We don't accept credit cards. We only accept cash. They have, retailers have the right to accept any payment that they see fit. They could even put a sign out the front, Thomas, to say, we only accept seashells. And if you don't like it, you don't go into the shop. So Bob Catter, while he's correct, $50 is legal tender, it's not legal tender at a retailer that refuses cash. So he's wrong. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there there can be shops that can refuse your money? I know... And this has, been, this has been law for quite some time. You can go into a shop to pay for something in cash but and, and do it with all the change that you've collected from behind the lounge and in your car's ashtray and, and in your money box. Anything above $5 in, in coins is not legal tender. So you don't have to – shops do not have to accept it, even if they say they accept cash. Yeah, I think that's happened to me once, at least once. Because you want to try and get rid of all of your, your bum change at some point or another. Now, you know, you know what my daughter calls it? Shrappers. That's good. Yeah. Can I have your shrappers? She, my daughter, whenever she comes to my house, on my bedside table, there's a little brass dish thing. 
and I and when I emptied my pockets and I put my coins in there. Yeah. Holly makes a beeline for it. And she says, Dad, I got your shrappers and she'll take all my change. Anyway, go on. You know, it's really funny. On on the different side of this, my housemates and I went out for dinner early this week. We all three of us we went out to get a meal. And we chose a restaurant and we went there and they said, Sorry, our Money exchanges down. We can only accept cash right now. On the different side, of that. it's up to the shop. Where it, we not carrying cash? It's up to the shop. So anyway, Bob Cat has gone on a, a rant. I'm going to talk to Shane Oliver um, from AMP in our finance segment uh, about this a little bit later on. I feel for Bob Catter. I feel his pain. You go into a shop, you get a $50 note, you want to be able to buy your feed. You don't want to be told, no, we don't accept cash. One of the reasons why it's hard to hear that is because so many of our listeners, I know, are concerned about the end of cash and people feel vulnerable if they have to rely on a piece of plastic. They feel as though Big Brother's watching them, that every transaction you make is being watched by somebody. It takes away our last bastion of privacy and individualism. And people want the right to be able to carry cash and pay for things. I think as well, going with that, when you have all your money on a card and on a digital bank account, you kind of lose sense of the value of what you have sitting there. Oh, I wonder. I mean, when you, when, you pay your, when you pay your kids pocket money for doing chores, if you don't pay them in cash, you write them an IOU? Bank transfer. Bank transfer? <laughs> write them a check? Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that later this morning. When was the last, have you ever, folks, have you ever been to any retailer, a restaurant, doesn't matter, that says, no, we don't accept cash? Have you ever seen this? I, I haven't, but Bob Catter's encountered it at Parliament House on Tuesday. And uh, boy, oh boy, has, did he go to town on the door. More on that later this morning. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Here's a question for everybody that has a job. Do we as Australians have a right to disconnect after we've gone home. There are plenty of, uh, of jobs out there where you can't. I mean, for example, doctors are probably on call. Lawyers, for their own business, they're on call 24-7, and they, and they charge. You ring up a lawyer at 11 o'clock at night and the, the, the clock's ticking. But um, if you work for a boss and your day ends at five o'clock, just for example, does your boss have the right to ring you later that night at six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock with some extra work he or she wants done? Do you have the right to disconnect? Now, I've spoken about this with our employment expert, Graham Wynn, in the past. And Graham is of the firm opinion that, look, you come to an arrangement you know, if the boss does need you, let's say somebody's sick, some, somebody on the breakfast program is sick on a Monday and the boss rings you, Thomas, and says, can you come in and produce a breakfast program? And they've got to call you after hours. Now, you can ignore that phone call and it's up to you. But, but do some folks believe that if they ignore the text or the phone call from their boss because they believe their day is done and it's their private time now, they may feel compromised and may feel, Jesus, if I don't answer the boss's phone call or reply to his text or her text, I might lose my job or I might not get the promotion. 
I may be over, overstepped next time there is a promotion. They may think my attitude sucks. Or the boss may just slowly push you to one side and, and you'll feel alienated at work. You won't be invited for coffee. You won't be invited for lunch because the boss thinks, oh, their attitude sucks because they refuse to answer my phone calls after hours. Does this need to be legislated? Does there need to be a law that says leave employees alone after hours? The right to disconnect. Have you ever been bothered by your boss after hours? Do you feel compromised? Do you feel used? Do you feel you've already done your day's work? And why should you have to go any extra? When you get home, it's my turn to watch a bit of telly, have a glass of wine, kick back, relax, play with the kids, whatever. Does your boss have the right to intrude on your time when your day is done? One triple three five three is the number. We'll talk about that with Graham Wynn a little bit later on this morning. See, Thomas, I send you emails with stories, and I've told you, ignore them till Sunday. And, and if you do, I haven't got a problem with it. But, Absolutely. but I don't switch off. I'm always looking at content. And so um, I, I spoke to Shane Oliver about this. He said that uh, often, because he has staff underneath him, because he's the chief economist at AMP. So what he does is he sends emails and he puts them into a draft and then he, he sends them at the appropriate time. But sometimes he's got to contact somebody out of hours. If it's an understanding that you can, you're able to contact someone after hours in an emergency, does it need to be legislated? The right to disconnect. I get that. And I kind of agree with Graham as well. I think you need to come to an agreement. When I see an email from you, like I'm always thinking about work as well. And there are times where we talk about things because we're on a roll, because we're both kind of sharing the same neural wave. But there are times where I know you have your Saturday and that's your time as well. Yes, but, so I, but, but, but I know. So would it be better if I said we're having a, a private conversation on air here? So am I better – if you receive an email at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon because I've had an idea, I don't want you to reply – I don't want you to act on it, but it's just an idea for the show. Does that interrupt your leisure time on a Saturday? Do I, receiving that email, do you look at it and go, oh, shit, and are you back in work mode? Should I not send that email till Sunday night? Not really. Because Tell me what to do. Not really. It makes me think, because I love work, and it makes me think about work. Yes, I know, but I have no right to intrude on your Saturday. Yes. But by emailing you some, an idea I've got for work. But I'm also thinking about what are we going to do? Okay, Sunday this is all well. being recorded. Next time you complain that I'm 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 driving you too hard, <laughs> you've just you've just done yourself in. I doubt it. You've just done yourself in. But now it's a good topic. It's a, it, when is enough enough? I worked at an. The, the, there are two other radio stations I worked at, Thomas. Two completely different people. One in particular, and you'd get home, you'd finished your day. Once again, I would never switch off. I'm always looking at the news. I'm always looking for stories. It's just in my nature. But I used to have this boss who would ring me at about 8 o'clock on the drink. He's had a few wines and a few beers and a few more wines. And, hey, Luke, it was great today. And what about this? And he would dribble on through slurred words because he was on for a chat. And it was really annoying. Uh, one, because he was a dribbler. But, but two, what he was saying to me could have waited for the next day. But because he was inspired and he was in, under the influence of alcohol, he felt he had to talk to me right there and then about some idea. And it would happen every night. It was really annoying. 
Yeah. And you know, like, when it's annoying, when they're on the drink and they start saying the same thing in the next two to three minutes as well. Yeah. There's a little warning for your callers. Just beware. Uh, if, if you're a dribbler, you get short thrift. One triple three five three. Anyway, do Australians have the right to disconnect after their finished work? Let's talk about it. One triple three five three is the telephone number. God, there's plenty to go to go on with. Um, here is a story that's taken the world by storm, and it's an Australian story. And uh, we did touch on it uh, earlier in the week, but it's grown legs, if you'll pardon the expression. There is a push to outlaw the G-string bikini. A community worker has pleaded for Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate to ban the skimpy G-string bikini bottom. He's a community worker by the name of Ian Grace, and he published a letter in the Gold Coast Bulletin last Saturday. Mr. Grace, who is the founder and president of local charity Youth Music Venture, said the reason for his concern was protection. He said, I don't believe that young teens want to be seen as sexy. It's just the fashion right now. And I absolutely believe that the real issue here is the men who might be oogling or ogling the girls and get the wrong impression. Now, a demonstration urging attendees to free the peach they're calling it Free the Peach, has been planned along the Gold Coast after this local businessman called for a ban on G-string bikinis. Both men and women have been urged to meet at Karawa Beach at 6am tomorrow Friday to support freedom of choice when it comes to beachwear. Bar body, B-A-R-R. I mean, it's supposed to be bare body, but I suppose double R makes it bar body. Bar body and swim founder Rebecca Pask has organised the demonstration labelling the suggested ban on bikinis as unwarranted and unwelcome. She has said that the gathering is to celebrate the inclusivity, diversity and colour of the Gold Coast beach culture that, has, that is anchored in our freedom. We are a suns out, buns out culture. It is the thing. These G-string bikini bottoms are the go. I don't know if it's, if it's a Brazilian thing, I think, but getting your, your buttocks out and airing them for everyone to see is, is the go at the moment, isn't it? I personally haven't tried it, but from what I've oh, seen... Oh, Christ, don't. That should be illegal. Yeah. Tell me this. Do you find the G-string bikini and girls with their bottoms hanging out, do you find it offensive or do you like it? Do you think they need to cover up or not? Is it time to bear the bum or is it time to turn the other cheek? Did you like that? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. One triple three five three. Anyway, there's going to be a protest. We'll talk about this on the Man Cave, I'm sure, uh, tomorrow. But I want to talk about it now. Is it indecent? Is it indecent to have your buttocks hanging out of a G-string in public? One triple three five three. Let me just throw this in there. Budgie smugglers for men. Are they indecent? Is that just as indecent? Nah. No, let's ask our listeners. One triple three five three. My daughter thinks when I wear budgie smugglers, she she won't she won't come and sit next to me at the beach. 
there was one time she turned up, we, we, we'd set a time to meet at a particular beach and she turned up and I was sitting there in my little fold-out chair in my bungee snug and she screamed and she said, put something on or I'm leaving now. She, she called me disgraceful. She said, put, some, put your board shorts on, you pervert. This is my daughter. She, she called me a pervert because I was wearing budgie smugglers. Yet she, yet she wears the G-string butt floss swimming costume. You should be able to wear whatever you like. Should you, though? Should you, though? Well, once upon a time, I was a very white picket fence Christian boy, and that would make me very nervous. I was about to say, you do look a bit like a white picket fence, and then I didn't know where that was going. Okay. But you are a white picket fence. Not that there's anything wrong with that. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Look, there's plenty of other things. Oh, um, Taylor Swift is coming to Sydney and Melbourne. I've got a little look at the long list of rules that concert goers will have to abide by if they don't want to be kicked out of the stadium. Large signs, confetti, iPads, spray sun- <laughs> sunscreen, aerosol deodorant and battery packs are prohibited from Tay-Tay's concerts. There are even restrictions around friendship bracelets that reference Swift songs and albums and lyrics. Friendship bracelets are allowed to be brought into the venues but must be worn on arms. Oh, because people take the friendship bracelets that represent some of Tay-Tay's songs and they sell them. Is, yeah. Is that, is that right? Possibly, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. You remember back in the day... Cameras were banned from concerts. Yes. Well, to, to ban a camera now is to ban a mobile phone. It's a lost cause. So you can't take in professional video recorders or cameras, but you will be allowed to video it on your on your phone. I think it's a lost cause. When you go to a concert, a really good concert that you want to see, mm. and then it gets to the good part, then you see all these little white screens pop up all filming the thing. Just enjoy it. Can I, can I just ask you this, Thomas? I've seen it too. And you you got people with the, the with the live artists that they've paid a fortune to go and see. Yes. And instead of looking at them on the stage, they're looking at them through a phone. And What's, I know why most pro- gigs I go to are professionally filmed later, so I could watch it that way. You know what it is? It's so that they can post it on their Facebook page and say, look where I am. I was there. I was there. Or they'll have a picture of their face with the stage in the background. Yeah. Like some people I know did at the Cause concert at Hope Estate. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wasn't me. It wasn't me. But anyway, one triple three five three. Look, there's plenty to talk about. The quickie. Oh, Thomas, we put the clue on our podcast yesterday. Has anyone gone there to listen to it? Oh, a few. One or two. One or two? No, seriously. Hundred. A few hundred have. Yeah. All right. So we should get a winner today. The quickie has got to go off today. Clue number three is on our podcast as a separate clip. Go and have a listen and then knock it off a little bit later on. So there's plenty to talk about. Um, I look forward to, uh, to hearing from you. Have you got something that's going on in your neck of the woods that the rest of Australia needs to know about? Well, this is the way to do it. We're your conduit to the nation. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Lines are available right now. If you've never rung before, make today your day. And if you are an established member of the Night Shift family, even you, Jeff, even you, please, you're all welcome. Give us, a, Jeff, you're barred from the quickie, though. That's all I'm saying. You're barred from the quickie. You've won six. It's enough. 
I'll give you a look at the nation's weather in just a second. A bit more rain on the way for the east coast of Australia. More on that shortly. You're listening to The Night Shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M Network. We are on independent stations scattered everywhere and we are streaming live as we speak on the listener app. Imagine the movies without John Williams. 92. What a prize is John Williams, eh? It's great movie themes. Anyway, um, 13353 is the telephone number. Please stay with me because I want you to listen to Bob Davis, the man behind the military boot camp that is Hard Yakka, and have a listen to the sort of kids that he deals with and the way he turns their lives around. It's inspirational. Uh, and uh, we have Senator Pauline Hanson to thank for, for putting us on to Hard Yakka, and I'm certainly going to. Did you know, and you'll hear this, Thomas, he gets amazing results. He turns kids' lives around, usually boys. It's a, it's a boy thing. No government funding. Not a cent. Can you believe it? All self-funded. Donations. Wait till you hear it. Wait till you hear it. It's coming up in just a second. It's compelling stuff. Stay with us. All those people on hold wanting to have their say. I'm going to get to every one of you, but just wait until you hear what Bob Davis has to say. Hey, um, my, my good friend Joe Ayub is overseas. There are countries all around the world now who are wanting swift grow. They know how environmentally friendly it is. They know how far it goes. They know that it is cheaper to, to bring in swift grow from Australia than to use their traditional fertilisers that are raping our soils. Swift Grow is on the verge of changing the world. And uh, I hope to talk to Joe about this while he's away overseas. Swift Grow, you can put it in your own land. It puts nature, it puts a natural bacteria back into the soil. These are bacteria that we have been flushing out for many, many years. It puts nature back into the soil. And wait till you see the rewards. Better plants, greener plants, more flowers, better water retention, greener lawns, better tasting veggies, Swift Grow, the all organic barramundi fertilizer. The world's now raving about it. A five liter bottle is just 120 bucks, and, at the, and it'll be delivered free anywhere in Australia. Stocks are limited. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. If you're thinking fertilizer, think Swift Grow. Dot com dot au. Back in a sec. What more can I say? One triple three five three is the telephone number. No government funding. He has a ninety percent success rate. Parents bring their kids to Hard Yakka. The, the kids don't want to get out of the car. He drags them out, holds them down till the parents drive away, and at the end they hug him. Hard Yakka. The night shift. Triple M. Wait for it. There it is, in excess here on the night shift with Luke Boner across Australia on the Triple M Network. How are you, folks? Welcome to Thursday, February 8. So there's a bit to talk about, and that's what we're here for. We're here to encourage conversation. And if you have an opinion, we want to hear it. But Bob Davis, what do you make of that, hey? Unbelievable. There need to be more hard yakka camps, surely. And they need to be government-funded, don't they? It's like, you know... Some great charities that do great work, Wounded Heroes, is one that comes to mind, of which I'm an ambassador. 
does magnificent work. No funding, nothing. Anyway, one triple three five three is the number. Hey, listen, you've heard me rave about the best hose in the world, in my opinion. It's Aussie hoses. It is the best. And right now, Aussie hoses will deliver and install the auto hose onto any brick wall for only one hundred and sixty nine bucks. But look, you get more than just a hose. We have ten available that are out of the 25-metre hose. But this is only for the first 10 orders this morning. You'll get the 25-metre hose for the price of the 20. Fully installed, delivered, two-year warranty. You'll also get the bonus trigger nozzle. So no more wrestling with messy, tangled garden hoses. A little click and the auto hose retracts quickly and easily back into its housing. It's that simple. We've got three of them. God, we love them. So don't miss this offer. It's the best one ever. And when they come to your house to install it, tell them that you want the little lever tap, not the uh, the twirly tap, the lever. I don't know how, but it gives you up to 20% more water pressure as well. But if, if you've got a dripping tap, they'll fix it while they're there. Aussie hoses. But there's only 10 available right now. There is a phone number, but the phone number's on the website, aussiehoses.com.au. You must tell them you heard it with Luke on Triple M. one You'll thank me. You'll thank me. And remember, it comes with a two-year warranty. Five extra metres of hose for free. Do it now. aussiehoses.com.au. Back in a sec. So there's a fair bit to talk about this morning. There always is, or there usually is, and that's what we do here on the night shift. We uh, encourage conversation, um, and hopefully we're doing that this morning. One triple three five three. No matter where you are around Australia, jump on board and say good day. If you're listening to us on the app, I'd love to know where you are. If you're listening to us overseas, maybe you're an expat that just prefers this to your local radio. I'd love to know where 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 you live and why you, you listen to this. So jump on board and give us a call. And the quickie, uh, clue number three is on our podcast right now. If you want to have a listen to it, and uh, we'll let everyone know uh, at about three o'clock Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight Saving Time what that clue is. But you can listen to it now and get a, a head start. In the meantime, let's open the phones. Let's talk. Plenty of people online wanting to have their say. Neville, good morning to you. Morning, Luke. How are you, mate? Very well, buddy. Thank you for waiting on. Nah, this uh, little problem you got up in Queensland with this young person doing what they did. It's not uh, just Queensland. Yes, the latest uh, abhorrent act of violence was in Queensland, but this youth crime problem is Australia-wide. I know. I'm, I'm, got, I'm one of the parents. I'm 62 years old, and I've got a daughter that's been through all that, and I was threatened to be locked up because I locked her in a room and there was false imprisonment. Hang, and the hang, coppers... on, a, hang on a second. Ne- Neville, what's happened to your daughter? No, nah, my daughter's 36 now, but when she was in her teens, we had so much trouble with her. She had a, a brother with special needs and she thought the world was against her. So she went out with a group of friends at 12 years old, jumped out the window, which is the reason why I ended up locking it. And then the cop had told me that I was uh, it was false imprisonment and couldn't do anything about it. So the coppers are more frustrated than what we are, mate, especially when they see parents like me that or like us um, 
that are willing to do something and want them to do something, mm. but they can't do anything. Tell your daughter's th- in her thirties now, but take me back. What happened? Take me, walk me right through it. Yep. Yeah, well, she, um, we were locking her in a room, obviously, before, be, uh, after she got out the window one night, and we got up to check her, and she was gone. Next thing we know, we've got a, the coppers rang us and said, "We've got your daughter down here." I said, "Yeah, why? What? Is, she's supposed to be in bed." So that's when we first found out that she. Um, mm got out the window. So the copper said, can you please come and get her? I said, yep, no worries. So I said to my wife at the time, I said, uh, I'm not going down. I'm going to, we're going to scare her. We've got to do something about it. Because mm. the coppers, no one would do anything about us worrying what she was getting up to. So how old was she? Uh, she was about 13 at the time. 13. 12 or 13. And what was she, and what was she getting up to? Uh, well, we never... When the coppers rang me, they said she'd broken uh, $20,000 or, or thereabouts worth of windows in a shopping centre. And, and, and she was doing this at night? At doing that at night. She's getting out the window and yeah. we didn't have a clue she was not there. Because I've always had jobs where I work night shift and my wife couldn't always keep an eye on her. But, um, yeah, the, when the coppers rang, I, I decided to leave it. And at, at about three hours, the copper rang me. And he said, Neville, if you don't come and get this daughter of yours, he said, we'll lock you up. And he said, she's told us that you lock her in a room. That is false imprisonment, and you can get into big trouble for it. Wow. So you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Wow. Yep. Wow. So here you are. You've got a problem 13-year-old who's climbing yep. out her window, smashing yep. windows, breaking the law, on her way, on a, on a, on a path to a, a career criminal. Yep, exactly. You've realised this. You've tried. So you've locked her in her room. Yeah. And you got charged with false imprisonment. I didn't get charged, but the cop, he said to me, I can charge you and lock you up for false imprisonment. So Did you say, I have a daughter here and we're trying our best to try and control her? And what did he say? Uh, he had no comeback on it because we had a, we had a, our young bloke just... My daughter's brother, he had muscular dystrophy. We lost him uh, 13 and a half years ago. But the biggest problem with that was that he had his problem and everyone loved him. And Jessica thought she was on the outer. As much as we told her we loved her, it didn't help. She All she wanted to do is get get out and play with the kids in the, like, I'm talking 12, 13-year-olds. You see, and here we have in Michigan in the United States a woman and her husband's going on trial. But the woman has been found guilty of accessory to manslaughter, and basically she's been charged and found guilty of being a shit parent, right? Yep. It's a long story, but you'll hear it in the news today. It'll make worldwide headlines. It's unbelievable. This mother in Michigan has been charged and been found culpable because their son shot dead four students at a high school, and she, she and her husband have been charged with being shit parents. Here you are pulling your hair out. And so you've locked your daughter in her room and the copper said, I can charge you. Yep. One triple three five three, folks, you're listening to this. Is locking your child in the bedroom, is it, a, is it the wrong thing to do or the right thing when you know they're climbing out the window at night and getting into trouble? It's like that woman that rang me a couple of years ago who sent her daughter to her room without dinner because she was being an insolent, rude shit. And she was actually taken to a police station and charged with deprivation of liberty. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 
Were parents like us are frustrated? We, uh, a couple of years prior to that, Luke, my daughter went to school. She, because I used to play football, she wanted to be like dad and play football. So she played footy at school. Uh, this kid uh, hip and shouldered her and hurt, bruised her shoulder. Hmm. Uh, so she told the the next day the teacher said, "What's what's your problem? Oh, dad hit me last night." Hmm. And then we had um, human services onto us, and and they found out that uh, that wasn't what happened. Mm. It happened at school playing football. So where they can tell anyone anything, and the parent can get in the deep shit for it. You know? uh, I've had callers through. One in particular still rings in my head, and it was a father who had a acrimonious split up with his partner, his wife. And the wife poisoned the daughter and told the daughter to tell the police terrible lies about the dad sexually abusing her. And he lost everything. He had to spend over $100,000 on, on lawyers, lost his house, lost his family, lost, lost everything because people believed the daughter. Years later, she said, I lied. Mum told me to lie. He was lucky he had $100,000 or he would have been in jail, mate. I, I couldn't afford that. But it was just luck that they found out that the kid at school done it and it wasn't wasn't her father. So where, where's, you probably hear it in my voice, we're as frustrated as the coppers are, mate. But there's these do-gooders that want to bloody, it's like that kid that um, got put out on bail because of what happened or was out mm, on bail. Out on bail, yeah. I hope that judge never sleeps a night sleep in his life again. It's just not fair. And someone's lost a grandmother, a mother, a auntie. It's mm. really pissing me off, and I, I'm going to have to stop talking because I'm frustrated. It really gets me down. Gets us. It gets us all down, Neville. Don't you worry about it, mate. It gets us all down. For a long, for a long time, Luke, I've I've had this thing in my head about these people that kill someone. Like the average age of a woman is i think it's about 84 now if you murder someone and they're 40 you get 44 years jail if you marry murder someone and they're in their 50s you get 30 odd years jail right don't fiddle around with them they're not gonna it's not gonna change they've got to do something about it and they've got to de- they've got to stop them deter them from wanting to do it neville has rung me from queensland I think you're in Queensland, yeah? No, no, Victoria. Oh, Victoria. I'm sorry. Neville, your daughter is in her 30s now. How do you get on with her now? Oh, really good. Really. Does she admit she was a shit? Does she think today that locking her in the room was the wrong thing? Nope. She says to me, Dad, if I knew what I knew now, I would, you know, we, we've lost a son through muscular dystrophy, and she's lost a son as well, so I've just put me... Uh, 12 months ago, put my grandson to rest, and now she's got two more, and this is all because the people wouldn't let us do our job as parents and keep her off the street. Neville, thanks so much for your call. Are you okay? Uh, well, I'm bloody pissed off, Luke, and it really frustrates me. Yeah, I hear. But, you know, to, for Michael to be like he was, he was so perfect except his muscular dystrophy, and his, his sister just abused the system, if you know what I mean. Um, Neville, if you could talk directly now to other parents who are feeling your frustration, what's your advice? Uh, try not to get frustrated, but you can't help it because we're, we're humans. We're, it's in our blood to, to get frustrated when we can't do what we want to do. 
you know, like it's just it's so frustrating, Luke. I'm Pauline Hansen told me earlier this week that she says one of the problems with youth crime is parents are constantly telling her that they feel their powers to be able to parent adequately have been taken away. Would you agree with that? Yep, I would totally 100 200% agree with that, Luke. So what's it's, the what's the answer? There's no answer, Luke. The, the, the do-gooders have got to stay out of it and let the parents do what they want to do. But the biggest problem is the kids have lost all respect. Neville, thank you so much for your time. You take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, what more can I say? This is the Night Shift on Triple M. ELO here on the Night Shift. So you, you've got a troubled daughter. She's getting out the window and she's running around the streets at night, breaking windows and on a path to having a criminal record. And so dad, he's pulling his hair out. They, they lock her in her bedroom. And they make sure she can't get out. Because, you know, you hear about these kids running around the streets at night, two o'clock in the morning, committing crimes. And first thing everyone says is, where are the parents? Where are the parents? What are the parents doing? How come the parents are letting these kids roam the streets? So this guy made sure that she couldn't roam the streets at night so so they could get some sleep and make sure that their daughter was in a bedroom. And the police officer said, I can charge you with false imprisonment. You know, Pauline Hanson said it on this program. You know, she gets so many people coming up to her uh, saying the law today has taken away my powers to be able to be a good parent. We want to, uh, we want to instill some discipline. And if it means a wooden spoon around the back of the legs, so be it. We're not talking about abuse. But here's a bloke who a, a police officer said, I could charge you with false imprisonment because you locked your daughter in a bedroom. You know, there's an old saying, you know, we've got our hands tied behind our backs and yet at the same time they're telling us to fight? This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift on the Triple M Network. Hey, listen, if you snore, you know you snore. Your partner knows you snore, and chances are the whole house knows you snore. And sleep apnea is a serious condition, and you need to get it diagnosed. And if you want to get it diagnosed, the testing is bulk billed if you go through the sleep apnea specialists, SOVE, S-O-V-E. So if you do suffer from sleep apnea and you think, oh, I can't afford CPAP treatment, you can, and it works out for less than the cost of a coffee a day. Just contact Sove and talk to them. S O V E, Sove CPAP Clinic, one three hundred seven six two nine three nine. Sove CPAP Clinic. They offer interest-free payment plans for CPAP machines and accessories. They got all the leading brands: Resmed, Philips, Fisher and Pykel, and they can tailor a treatment just for you. Payment plans available for approved applicants. Always see a doctor. And CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Follow the directions for use when considering whether CPAP is right for you. Sove, they are the sleep apnea specialists. And I know Justin, who runs Sove, and he is a very good man. And, he, and his team are specialists 
and they know how to help you, and it's much cheaper than you think. So just contact them and say, I need some advice. I heard it with Luke on, on Triple M. Sove.com.au. Back in a sec. So do you carry cash, and do you expect cash to be able to be used everywhere you go? It's a fair assumption, isn't it? I'm in Australia. I want to buy something. I'm going to bring out a lobby or a, a pineapple. That's a $20 note or a 50 for you, Thomas. Did you, you yeah. knew, Tell me you knew that. I knew that. Okay. And so Bob Catter, and we love Bob Catter here on the night shift. You want to know why we love Bob Catter? Because he says exactly what he thinks. He has no filter. He has no filter. And he's guaranteed to give you a headline. Well, he got headlines today. Because Bob Catter went into the, uh, the dining hall, the dining room at Parliament House, and he wanted, he didn't ask for much, Thomas. He wanted some fish with vegetables. It's a fair and reasonable lunch to ask for, isn't it? I think so. And so he went to pay for it with a $50 note. Ah, he met a brick wall. They don't accept cash in the dining room at Parliament House. And you know what? I bet not much cash goes through it there anyway, because most of those politicians put it on an account, don't they? You'd think. Yeah. Um, and write it off. And it's, it's all subsidised. So anyway, Bob Catter, he's gone berserk and he's posted rants on social media and he says it's not right, it's legal tender and that he should be able to, as an Australian citizen, be able to pay for his fish lunch with a $50 note. He was told he couldn't. Shane Oliver is uh, is with AMP. He's our finance expert, and I'll be talking to him in, in detail about this later this morning. Um, but uh, Shane Oliver had this to say, because I thought Bob Catter had a point. I thought that you should be able to pay Australian cash for anything in any store in Australia. But apparently that's wrong. Have a listen. Like, look, cash is legal tender. So if you go to, I think it's the bank or the the Reserve Bank, and say, give me $50 for my $50, then they have to give you the $50 sort of thing. They have to mm. accept it and change it over. Mm. Um, but, yeah, if a, if a business puts up a sign and says we don't accept cash or that's the understanding. Or FPOS only or credit card only, yep. Only, they, they, they can do that. Uh, I understand why Bob was upset, and I reckon my mother, who's you know, over ninety, <laughs> she can well and truly understand. Oh, why my mum is my, my mum's the same age. Was the same age as your mum, and she would have been spewing as well. Yeah, so What's, my understand. money's not good enough. It's legal tender. Yeah, and I've got a lot of friends like this as well. But by the same token, you know, businesses aren't doing this. Um, out of some conspiracy and banks aren't doing it out of some conspiracy. They're doing it because we've all gone with our feet, all spoken with our feet. I've, I've got my credit cards loaded on my phone. I've been using credit cards for years. I feel a lot safer if I'm using them because it's harder for people to steal the, the money off. I know there's electronic uh, fraud and so on like that, but um, I'm not going to get robbed in the street at knife point with, with cash. So I, I feel a little bit safer and it's a lot easier. So that's why digital transactions, whether it's on your phone or using credit card or FPOS, whatever, have skyrocketed. That's why banks are closing down their ATMs and shutting down their branches. It's just the reality. People have spoken with their feet. Less people are using cash these days and certain organisations say, okay, hardly anyone uses it. Uh, we'll go cashless. There we are. Shane Oliver, who is the chief economist with AMP, uh, talking about Bob Catter's rant. And I feel for Bob Catter. 
I mean, you should be able to go into the dining room at Parliament House and be able to pay cash for a fish lunch. But you can't. They don't accept cash anymore. It's all plastic. And why? Well, Shane Oliver just said it. Because Australians have voted with their feet. More Australians tap and go than use cash. It's the way of the world and there ain't much we can do to stop it. And it is not illegal, as Bob Catter thought. If a retailer of any sort says we are only using credit cards, there's no cash transaction on this premises. Cash will not be accepted. It's completely legal for them to be able to do that. Sorry, folks, and I'm sorry, Bob Catter. I'm sorry, Shane Oliver's mum. I feel your pain, but that's the law. Around Australia on the Triple M Network, this is The Night Shift with Luke Boner. The Night Shift. We've got Caller of the Week tomorrow. God, how do we judge this week's content and award some one individual caller of the week. It's going to be, it's going to be, beg your pardon? Sure. It's a tough, it gets, it gets tougher and tougher. Becomes difficult. More and more difficult. Anyway, you could be caller of the week. Just call up and say hello. One, triple, three, five, three. Paul, good morning. G'day, how are you? Is this Paul the baker from the Gold Coast? That's me. We spoke about burgers and stuff and pies a while ago. Yeah, we did. We did. It's good to hear your voice uh, again. Yeah, you too, mate. We listen to you a lot here at work. Okay. Keeps, uh, keeps us going. Okay. But... You're my reporter on the Gold Coast. I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> yeah. You live on the Gold Coast. Yep. You, yep. Go, you go to the beach. Yeah. With your family on the Gold yep. Coast. Yep. Okay. So there is a, a bloke. His name is Ian Grace. He's a community worker, and he wrote to the Gold Coast Bulletin last Saturday. And he reckons that G-string bikinis need to be banned. He believes that he's not offended, but he's worried that the girls will be ogled and will be treated like sex objects and that it's not healthy for a family environment. Well, some people have taken umbrage at his thoughts And there's going to be a demonstration on the Gold Coast this Friday, tomorrow. It's called Free the Peach. And uh, it's been planned for Friday. And uh, they're supporting freedom of choice. Paul the Baker from the Gold Coast, I need your thoughts on all of this. What do you make of it? Well, I'm I'm with the guy that wrote in the paper because it is like you've got 12-year-olds and and that they're going to start mimicking it. And Mm. it's just... It's getting, it's going too far. Well, why, why don't men start going to the beach and pulling their undies up their crack? Well, they are. The men are, men are doing it now. It's a Brazilian thing. The men are doing it. And there's the mankini as well. But men in Australia have been wearing sluggos. I, I call them sluggos. Um, budgie smug, budgie smugglers for many, many years now. And women are, are now saying they find them offensive. Yeah, right. Do you find the, the male budgie smugglers offensive? Uh, not really, but I try not to look. <laughs> but you find the women's G-string bikini offensive? Uh, I find it to a degree I do. Um, the front, the fronts are getting even more skimpier, mm. more so than the, the back part. But mm. I'm with what the guy was saying. Like, you've got 12-year-olds and, and that at the beach, and they're going to start mimicking it. And, and the, 
the way society's going today, like, you know, people getting sad and next there'll be people, girls getting raped and all that kind of stuff. Really? You think girls will get raped because they're wearing a G-string bikini? Well, you don't know. Like, if they're walking somewhere secluded and there's not many people around, you just don't know these days. So I'm just playing devil's advocate. Shouldn't we be teaching young men that it doesn't matter what somebody's wearing, it's hands-off? Isn't that the lesson, really? It's, it's, it's sad we have to keep going that way to teach people the moralities of life. Like, I don't know. All right. Paul the Baker from the Gold Coast. He is not a fan of the G-string bikini. He says it's, you don't believe it's a good thing for young kids to look at. And uh, are you um, aware of this protest tomorrow? Yeah, I heard about it on the radio yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah, a do you have a young do you have a young apprentice with you? Uh, they're not they're not apprentices. I've got um, one guy a couple of years out of his apprenticeship, and he's come to learn how to do artisan bread and all that. All right, who's there? Who's the youngest person working with you right now? Uh, that would be Liam. And how old is Liam? Uh, Liam, you're 25, aren't you, mate? 25. Hey. Yeah, he's 25. Okay, I want to talk to Liam. Take the phone over to Liam. Liam, come here quick. Come here quick, Liam. I'm going to make you a... Quick, hurry up. Luke Boner wants to speak to you. You're famous. No, he's not famous yet. Oh, you're not famous yet. He will be famous in a minute. You're not allowed to swear either. G'day, mate. G'day, Liam. Luke here. How are you, mate? Good. Yourself? You enjoy working there with Paul in the bakery? Yeah, yeah, I've just been here uh, just under a year. It's been good fun so far. Well, that's good. It's, a, it's hard work and well done. I've got to ask you a question. Liam, you're 25. You live on the Gold Coast. The G-string bikini that women are wearing these days, do you find it offensive or, 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 do, you, do, you, or do you like it? Oh, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> okay. Liam, if you ha- if you're go- do you have a girlfriend? No, nah, I don't. Okay, if you had a girlfriend, would you mind her wearing the G-string bikini if you were at the beach with her? Uh, not particularly. Ah, because you don't want other men to look at her? No, no, I don't particularly mind, I'm sorry. Oh, you wouldn't care? No, not really. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes, like, they, they can be over the top, but it's, it's whatever. Well, the trouble is they're not over the top. Well, it's, yeah. It's just society right now. So, do you, so as a 25-year-old young male living on the Gold Coast, do you reckon they should stay or go? Oh, I reckon they could be dialed back a bit. Like, a, a little more material. Yeah, just, just a bit, not too much, though. <laughs> what, what do your mates say? What do your mates think about the um, G-string bikini on the Gold Coast? You, you, your mates are about the same age? Yeah. What do they say? Oh, I think they got about the same opinion as me. Okay, Liam. Don't, don't really care. Liam, I'll let you get back to it. Back to it. Thank you for talking to me. All right. All good, man. See you, mate. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-five-year-old from the Gold Coast, the baker, up working hard. So what do you? So he doesn't mind it, but he wouldn't want his girlfriend to wear. Would you want your mother to wear one? Oh, come on, don't laugh. Oh. I- don't really know. Would if you I want, want to you... see that? My daughter wears one. And I yeah. wish she wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but it, what, what, but it's, everybody's doing it. It's no longer a novelty. I, I just think the shock value's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
Why do people feel as though they have to bare their buttocks? You know, monkeys and gorillas do it in the wild, don't they? They have big red bums, and it's a, it's a, it's a form of look at me, isn't it? That's what monkeys and gorillas do in the in the wild. That's right. They yeah. bear their they bear their bottoms. They bear their bottoms. Anyway, one triple three five three is the telephone number. Lots to talk about. This is the night shift on Triple M. Let's get to the let's get to the bottom of this, eh? I think we just need to all turn the other cheek. Somebody uh, last night thought that the quickie was Black Sabbath, and I thought, oh, I've got to play some some Black Sabbath soon, so there you are. Uh, Paranoid here on the Night Shift with Luke Boner on the Triple M Network. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The quickie coming up in an hour from now. But, God, there's a bit to talk about. And uh, just had a couple of people drop out. Their phones didn't last the distance or they couldn't wait on. So if you have been trying to get through, have a crack now. We'll, uh, we'll have a conversation. Wade, good morning. Good morning, Luke. How are you? Good. Thank you for waiting. No, no problem at all. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Oh, good on you, Wade. Why have you waited yeah. so long? Um, uh, well, I uh, am primarily a podcast listener, so I'm very, it's very rare that I get a chance to actually listen to you live. No, so fair normally, enough. A lot of I'm people normally like a day that. behind. Yeah. I'm normally a day behind. Yeah, no, we get a lot of feedback from people who don't listen to the show live because it is difficult. Yes. But they listen to the podcast during the day. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, I, I, I drive the light rail in Newcastle and I usually listen to you on the way to and from work. So. Oh, I'm really flattered. <laughs> Thank you, Wade. Yeah, for those, tell your friends that if they can't listen live, because the best stuff happens overnight here on the night shift, we break stories. We do things on this program that other broadcasters don't do or are too afraid to. And, and, and I don't care. I, I, I say what I, what I feel, what, and I talk about the topics that I want to talk about. And the moment they tell me, oh, you can't do that anymore, I'm gone. It's simple. Exactly. That's so, right. Well, we appreciate your honesty and we appreciate what you do. So, Wade, why have you called me? Um, I was listening to your uh, podcast uh, from your show from yesterday, uh, and obviously you were discussing the uh, youth crime and behaviour and obviously the heinous act mm. um, those young children performed uh, in that shopping centre. Mm. Um, one thing that stood out to me um, listening to your callers was the amount of people who labelled uh, or or brought up the fact that of their race or ethnic background yes. in relation to these crimes. Yes. Um, now, this is something I feel incredibly strongly about, and it's something that I've, I've dealt with for many years, and I've, I've actually, I'm often calling people out on it. Yeah, because the media said that the men that they, or the boys or the people they were looking for were of African appearance or for African descent. And uh, yes, and now I read in, online in the Courier-Mail today that there are very, very decent African families who have relocated to Australia and to Brisbane, and they're being harassed. They, they're, they're, they're being harassed in their streets and their homes when they go down the shops because of their race, yes? One of the things that stood out to me with your callers is when, obviously, ethnicities were being thrown around and backgrounds and things like that, I'm thinking... And you mentioned the parents have obviously called out their children for their for their heinous act. And and the first thing I thought is these parents are going to be subject to who knows what. They're going to be mm-hmm. subject to assault. They're going to be subject. They, they won't feel safe in their own homes. That's right. It's happening. Um, it's happening now. Yep. And this is and this uh, you know this heinous crime. It's I I I feel that it's very easy in Australia's a, a country that tends to just throw someone's ethnicity or or racial background or their race onto 
onto these appalling crimes. They don't say it was a horrendous child that did this. They say it was a horrendous African child or mm. a horrendous tongue and child, like mm. whoever it is. And it's something that it just, it, it's just, it's a horrible crime regardless of their their race or their ethnic background. Can I, can, I, can I give you something in reverse that happens all the time as well? Mm-hmm. And, and this is the media. If a child commits a serious crime and if they are a white Caucasian child that went to a private school, that's the first thing the media will say. Mm-hmm. Private, private educated students, such and such, such and such, did this. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They try and profile them. If they, if they come from a privileged background and, and they've gone to a private school, it's the first thing they'll mention. Anyway, keep yes, going. Absolutely. No, and, and, and look, we've got a massive youth behaviour and a, a problem with what I do, driving the light rail, um, especially over the school holidays just past. The, some of the behaviour and the things that, that the kids do is absolutely appalling. And I can tell you that we get we get white, we get black, we get everything in between and it does not matter on this the color of their skin or their ethnic background their bad behavior is just flat out bad behavior regardless of where they're from is it pauline hansen mentioned this when she spoke to me earlier this week and she said i'm not having a go at all africans but because they had been identified as african is it fair then to say oh are they one of the many africans who have come here from war-torn somalia and have they not learnt about Australian standards, Australian behaviour and Australian culture, and is there a problem there? I don't believe so, because I, I believe that no matter where you're from, what these kids did in, to this grandmother in the shopping centre, it doesn't matter where you're from, I feel that, that a, a human being, no matter what their ethnic background, whatever the colour of their skin is, knows that that is an absolutely heinous act. If you come to Australia, you know that, that sort of behaviour and those kind of acts are just absolutely just not accepted. So you say, stay away from the colour of one's skin. Let's look at the act and the behaviour and not the colour of the skin. Well, as I said, yeah, we get we get bad behaviour from kids of all walks of life on our on our network, and it's got and a lot of it's the same. It's youth behaviour. It's got nothing to do with their ethnicity or or and and like I said, it's just it seems like a very Australian thing to throw the mm, mm. the race or the ethnic background onto the start of, like you said, with what Pauline Hansen said, like regards to these African kids. Like, yes, they were African, but these kids, like, uh, yeah, it, it's just something that I, it just drives me nuts. All right. Well, you've had, you've had your say. Thank you. you. You drive the light rail. You see plenty of bad behaviour. I see very much. I see everything and everything that you wouldn't, things you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Give me an example of something um, you've seen that you wouldn't believe. Uh, well, I don't want to run the risk of... Um, of well, you're not identifying anybody. Just tell me what you've seen. Um, oh, I've seen, I've seen assaults. Um, I've seen fights. I've seen, um, domestic, I've seen domestic abuse. Um, I've seen children. I've seen kids breaking glass. Um, I've seen a couple of kids as a daycare centre along our alignment, some kids standing there and just pitching huge rocks at the glass and just smashing it and running away, like things like that. Um, just some of the behaviour you see, you just, it's unbelievable. And, yeah. and even, even with the, we've got a, we've got a, a restaurant, a fast food chain restaurant uh, near one of our platforms, 
they go to this fast food restaurant, they jump on the tram, they, they eat their stuff, and the whole tram is just littered with all their stuff. They just dump it and they just walk away. Like, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And these are people from all walks of life? All walks of life. Not Absolutely. one particular race, all walks of life? Absolutely. No, we've, we've, Newcastle tends to be quite multicultural, and mm. we, we see them all. We see everything. So, yeah, no, I, I, but just the fact that a lot of people were defaulting to these African people just is something I just don't believe. I just think that it comes down to, yeah, their behaviour and not necessarily the colour of their skin. Wade, thank you for your call. Thanks for having thanks. your say. And, ple- thanks a lot, and, and thanks for um, consuming our podcast. It's Thomas is, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is smiling. At least all his hard work isn't going to waste. Someone's, someone's uh, listening to the podcast. Absolutely. Keep, keep the podcast coming, Thomas. All right. Thank, he's giving you a thumbs up. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Wade. Thank you. Bye-bye. 13353 is the telephone number. Hey, listen, you've heard me and you've heard 100 people talk about how good Nature B is. Thomas is on it. I put you onto it. I'm your, I was your pusher and your dealer. You were my Nature B gatekeeper. I was indeed. I said, try it, Thomas, because you're part of the program now. And I got Cookie to get you some Nature B. I said, take two every day because the hours that you and I work can muck around with your immune system. And I said, take two Nature B every day, and it changed your life. It really did. And I think it kind of arrived at a point where I was really struggling and I was wondering what to do. And I think this has really turned me around in these wee small hours where we need to pay attention, but we need to stay healthy and well and on top of And alert. And if you drive for a living and you're driving during these hours, do away with the caffeine and the high sugar drinks. Try Nature B. If it doesn't work, you get your money back. And if you're a new customer, you get a week for free. You use the code 10OFF and you go to powerpollen.com.au. You'll see a picture of me. You'll see the deals. You'll see the other products there. But order your Nature Bee now. The code is 10OFF. You get a week for free. Powerpollen.com.au. Nothing, absolutely nothing to lose and so much to gain. 100% money back guarantee. I wouldn't endorse it if it didn't work. And I wouldn't endorse it if it didn't come with that money-back guarantee. Powerpollen.com.au. Give it a go. Just um, getting back to the bikini thing, Thomas, there was a time not so long ago in Australian history where they wanted to ban the bikini. The bikini was to be banned, and you could only wear a one-piece swimming costume at Australian beaches. And then the bikini came out, and then you had beach inspectors measuring the width of the side and they had a ruler. I don't know if there'd be anyone listening to this program who's old enough to remember that. But I remember when I was a little boy and we had a house, a live-in dial and angel housekeeper. And Juliet was her name. God, I had the hots for her. She was beautiful. She was beautiful. And she wore a bikini and the beach inspector came up to us at the beach and measured the side of her, of her bikini. Imagine that now. Imagine that now. So, I mean, have we just been, remember the miniskirt? Yeah. Remember the miniskirt. So is it just a sign of the times? And does it get to the point where everyone could be walking around completely naked and we become so blasé about it? Um, If somebody covered up something, then it becomes erotic. I mean, we only find our private parts erotic to look at because they're naughty, because we've been covering them up. That's right. It goes back to Adam and Eve. 
the, the, the very first. Adam and Eve were yeah. walking around the Garden of Eden. Come on, you're the one who was brought up in a theological household. Yeah. So Adam and Eve, Old Testament, it doesn't get much older than this. So they're walking around the Garden of Eden, right? Yes. Uh, not Eden Park in, <laughs> in New Zealand, but the Garden of Eden. And uh, they weren't embarrassed about their bodies at all. And the only reason they became embarrassed about their bodies was after she ate the apple, after the talking snake talked her into it, uh, she then co- uh, convinced Adam to have a bite of the apple too. Next thing you know, they've sinned and they suddenly became embarrassed about their bodies. So they covered up. But before all that, they walked around in the nud. That's right. That's right. I think it was once they ate the fruit that they, they then saw their bodies differently. And Why? And they felt uh, ashamed. Why? It's, it's and why why is it that it's um, our reproductive organs mostly that we cover up? It's interesting. Why are they naughty? I mean, I'm just saying, if you were in another culture where the where your nose was considered rude, and they put little covers over your nose, and then suddenly someone blew their nose and their nose cover came off, would you? Whoa! Check that out. <laughs> because I'd love to live in that culture. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a good point. Having said that, there are beaches in and around the world that are purely based for people who are freely allowed to walk in around in the nude. That's right. There are nude beaches, yes. Do we have the same beaches for people who want to wear G-strings, bikinis and... No, well, that's all beaches now. You see, this is the thing. No, I don't think anyone really cares anymore, except uh, this bloke who wrote to the Gold Coast Bulletin and the occasional baker here and there. But... um, I don't know. Where, where, where does it all start from? And why is a bare bottom annoying people? 13353 is the telephone number. And uh, yes, does it all stem back from Adam and Eve feeling bad about their bodies? Is that why we cover up? Here's a question for you, Thomas, and I'm digressing here, but just a, a, a Luke Boner thought. Sure. How come even the very, very earliest paintings of Adam and Eve? Show them both with belly buttons. Have a think. The Night Shift, around Australia on the Triple M Network. Think about it. Think about it. Luke Boner. The Night Shift. Think about it. Stephen, hello. G'day, man. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Stephen, boy. Talk to me. Tell me a story. All right. Well, just quickly, in regards to what we were saying um, just before about if a nose was seen as a sexual object, yes, I reckon I'd feel pretty blessed. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just had to throw in a bad joke there. That's very good. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, God, Pinocchio will be a porn star. <laughs> um, I, I like what Sorry. you did there. I like what you Sorry. did Sorry. about having a Woody. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry. Oh, Geppetto, thank you. No, no problem. Oh, dear no problem. me. Okay. Uh. <laughs> if a nose was sexual, yes, would yeah. it be considered nosy? Uh. <laughs> I like that one. I uh, like that one. Oh, yeah. You occasionally have to blow your nose. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we go back to the topic. Look at the nostrils on her. Anyway. <laughs> 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 
Oh, man. Come on, guys. Go on. So, Keep going. Sorry, Stephen. Right. Go on. No, that's okay. That was my fault. I started Um. Well, the, the reason I originally called was just in response to your um, first situation this morning when you were talking about money management and the lack of um, the lack of FPOS. Ah, well, it all, the, the debate has come up again because of Bob Catter, who was in federal parliament at the dining room. And he wanted to buy some fish for lunch and he went to pay for it with a $50 note. And they said, no, we don't accept cash here. It's all plastic. It's all FPOS. And uh, he went berserk and he posted things online and uh, he wants an investigation. The fact of the matter is there is no legal obligation for any retailer in Australia to insist, to, to, to accept cash. They can go plastic all they want. They can accept goats, sheep, or even seashells as legal tender if that's what they want. There is no legal obligation to accept cash, I found out. Yeah, it's... I think it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I just hope they don't ever destroy cash. You know, you've got to have cash as a tender at a lot of places, um, small businesses in particular, because you see them suffer all the time with the cost of FPOS and FPOS fees. Um, and I guess the other thing too is I used to work at a bank and getting the tender every day though, can be a real hassle for some businesses if they just purely rely on that small cash. So need the FPOS too. But I really think cash is an essential tender for people to appreciate the money. Well, as Shane Oliver um, from AMP, who I talk to every morning, he, as he said to me, um, what's happened is retailers have followed Australians. They've they're, they're followed where the feet are going. And the feet are definitely going down the tap-and-go avenue, and people are abandoning cash. Now, there are people who feel passionate about cash. My missus, she loves cash, and she's always putting a $20 or a $50 note in my wallet. She says, use this, use this. But look at Bankwest, shutting down every single one of their face-to-face outlets. They are going all online. Why? Because there's no money in face-to-face banking anymore, Stephen. The Commonwealth Bank, 2,000 face-to-face branches, gone. And even ATMs in shopping centres. My shopping centre used to have six. It now has three. So Australia has voted. Yeah, it's crazy. Half the time when you're at a supermarket going through the checkouts, people are paying with their phones. They're tapping with their phones. I don't see cash out there a lot. No. And then I see all these small businesses going, please pay cash because we can't afford the fees. And then if you uh, do accept cash, you stand a bigger chance of being robbed. Yeah. You've got to have a float. So you've got to work out how much change do I need in my till so that I can operate a float. Yeah, and that's massive. Uh, the one thing I don't get, oh, and I need to talk to Shane Oliver about this, is legally how much can a retailer charge when you tap and go? Is it 5%? Is it 1%? Is it 0.5 of a percent? To me, it seems to change from shop to shop. Yeah. I think it all depends on the, I guess, the fees that they're being charged by the bank. My news agent up the road, he does not accept uh, plastic for a newspaper. And he's even said to me, come on, Luke, please don't do this to me. Um, you've got to have some cash on you. If you haven't, come back tomorrow with some cash and pay for your newspaper. 
It costs me money to run this news agency on FPOS. He says, I'm go- we're going broke. He said, I need cash to survive. Mm. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a coffee fanatic. Yeah. I'm obsessed with coffee. I've had my own blog at times and everything. If, if you want someone who has five coffees a day, you found him. And the independent cafes, you know, for them to pay 70, 40 cents every time someone buys a coffee. How much are is, they charging for FPOS? Um, well, some of them, I think, and I could be completely wrong about this. I don't trust my memory more than I trust my ability to drive a car. If you see me on the road, you run. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, I've got epilepsy. It's a dangerous situation. <laughs> but... Um, from what I remember, when I was doing the regular review, some people were being charged up to 30, 40 cents. That was... What is the rule? I know, I need to find out. Is there, a, is there a rule? Can you charge whatever you want? Can you charge 10% on top of whatever it is people are buying? If you're buying a coffee that's worth 3 bucks, can you charge $3.20 if people pay by FBOS? I don't know. I just tap. I don't even look at the charges. What are the charges? But anyway, cash... It used to be cash is king, not anymore. No, people aren't using it. And that's why this particular restaurant within Parliament House doesn't accept cash. Why? Because they see no use for it, because everybody's tapping and going. Stephen, thanks for your call. No problem, mate. Have a good one. Yeah, this thing to the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. If you want to get through, there are a couple of lines available now. There's a lot to talk about. The Quickie's coming up soon. So many people will say that's my favourite Elton John song, uh, even if they're not Elton John fans. Tiny Dancer here on the night shift with Luke Boner across Australia, here on the Triple M Network, one triple three five three. if you would like to be part of the program. Look, just something else I thought I'd throw into the mix, and I know that the panel on the Man Cave tomorrow have a lot to say about this. Have you ever driven to a new country town and got confused as to how you should park. Because every state, let's just use New South Wales, for example. Every single town has its own rules on how to park. Now, when I first moved to Young, which is five hours southwest of Sydney, the cherry capital of Australia, and in the main street of, of Young, you had to park at an angle and reverse into the curb. And I'd never experienced this before in my life. Uh, Where I came from in Sydney, you could park front to curb and it was basically straight in. But in Young, Burrower Street, you had to be, I think, a 90, I forget the angle. It was written up on a sign and you, you had to reverse in, which is a pain in the ass if you're behind that car trying to go down the main street, but as you're leaving the curb and getting out, it made things a lot easier because you had full vision. Anyway, a young woman has been, she's absolutely slammed a local council's parking rule as absurd because she copped a $116 fine for doing something she had no idea was against the law. Her name is Shakira Coldwell and she was in Noosa, And she received a fine after she drove into the parking spot instead of backing in. And she went against the council's rear-in rule for that car park. 
She said, I was the only one that didn't know you can get a parking fine for parking nose in. Like the front of your car goes in first instead of backing into the car park. Not sure if that's just a rule in Noosa, because I'm pretty sure you can park any way you want in Brisbane. And I'm pretty sure you can park any way you want on the Gold Coast, so long as you're within the lines. The photo on the fine showed that she was parked nose in while the car beside hers was parked nose out. They're backed into their space, she said. But like I'm within the lines, why was I fined? I was so confused. And making matters worse, her fine may be increased because it's past the payment date. I got this fine like three months ago, but I've been travelling and I've only just opened it, so I'm already overdue on the payment. She's asking, does anyone else think this is absurd? Does anyone else think this is a bit bizarre? Miss Colwell said she'd asked other people about this and they had no idea that the rule even existed. Well, when I went to Young, it was rear to curb parking, but you had to be at a slight angle. And I forget the angle. I mean, you got used to it because you parked at the same angle the car next to you was in. Bathurst, I can't remember. Bathurst might be rear to curb as well. Is it? Is it up George Street and William Street? Can someone who's listening to me on B-Rock FM tell me? What's the parking in Bathurst? Is it rear to curb up William Street? Anyway, this young woman, she's been hit with a $116 fine. It could be more now because she's only just opened it after travelling. And she reckons it's ridiculous. Now, I'm putting it out there, folks, on one triple three five three. Do you park rear to curb? And do you think it's better than nose to curb? And tell me why. Now, the Minister for War and Finance is a huge rear-to-curb parker. And I'll tell you why, Thomas. Because she'll go up to the local shops where you can go nose first or rear first, doesn't matter. The reason she goes rear first is because when she comes back with her shopping, the boot is right there on the footpath. You see, she's a thinker, isn't she? She's a thinker. There's a logic, isn't there? But it's not a rule. No. But there are some places where it is the rule... Where else is it a rule where you have to park either nose first or you have to park rear first? Does that happen in your town? One triple three five three. Do you think it's a stupid rule, or is there a method in the madness? And when you go into a a car park at a shopping centre where you can go any way you want, are you a reverser or are you a nose firster? I'm a nose firster in the shopping centre uh, down the road because then I have easier access to the boot of the car to put the shopping in. Precisely the same reason the Minister for War and Finance backs in our car park, in, in, the, in the shops just up the road, so that the boot is at the footpath. But sometimes it's the rule to go nose first. And if you like this young woman who got done, Shakira Colwell in Noosa, She drove into the parking spot nose first. She didn't back in and she got a fine. And she thinks it's the most ridiculous thing she's ever heard. 13353 is the number. G'day, Colin. Hello, how are you going? Where are you? Uh, Just coming out of Young. Ah, Young. Do uh, do you live in Young? Uh, Bathurst, mate. 
Hang on. There's the two towns I just mentioned. Now, in Young, the main street was Borowa Street, and you had to reverse park. This is back in in 1980 when I first moved there as a a young – as I think it was 17, 18. You you live in Bathurst, do you? Yeah, I do, yes. Okay, you've got two main streets streets running east-west. One of them is George Street, and the one next to that, is the main street that goes up to Mount Panorama. That's William Street, correct? That's right, yeah. Is it rear to curb or nose in? Uh, rear to curb. It is, is it? It is, yeah. And tell me, is it easy to live with that when you live in Bathurst? I mean, when a car is driving slowly up William Street, they should have their left indicator on, indicating to everyone behind that they're, they're looking for a park. But when they don't do that, is it the pain in the ass when suddenly the car stops and their reverse lights come on and you go, oh, shit, they're coming back at me? Does that annoy you? It does, but you get used to it after a while. Yeah. It does happen, yeah. Yeah. So in Bathurst, it is rear. Is, is it a, do you have to park at a certain angle as well? Uh, you do, yeah. What's the angle? Uh, 40 something, I suppose. Wouldn't be 45, but about that. 40-something, you can't remember, can you? No, no. Okay, but you do have to park at a a special angle, and it it has to be rear to curb. Do you think that's a good – is that a good rule? Yeah, I think it's good. You can see when you you pull out back into the traffic, you can see what's coming down the road. That's right. That's what I noticed in Young when you had to reverse park. It made leaving um, leaving the car park much easier. Thanks for your That's call, right. Colin. No worries. Have a good day. How's Bathurst today? Yeah, pretty quiet. Yeah? Yeah. Still getting big uh, crowds for the races? Yeah, yeah. 12 hours on in a couple of weeks, so it'll be busy. I was there for the very first James Hardy 12-hour. Oh, okay. And it, it starts in the middle of the night, and you should see it, uh, Thomas. The cars are so hot You can in the, in the night, in the pitch black night, the hole underneath of these cars are red glowing. It's very effective. Um, anyway, this is nice to talk. I think Alan Grice won that one. I'm not sure. In a, in a, in a Holden Ute. Okay. Oh, I can't That's remember. No, oh, no, it's, it's fading now, Colin. It used to be good. Colin, you have a good day. Thanks for that. There you are. Bathurst, Central West New South Wales, the home of Mount Panorama, where the parking is rear to curb at a 40-something degree angle. One triple three five three. Hey, listen, lots of rain falling around Sydney, especially far north Queensland, down the east coast of Australia. And that means one thing. It means mosquitoes. And mosquitoes means infections and the spreading of disease. Don't let mozzies and flies ruin what's left of summer. And my very good friend, Andrew Fennell, who owns Pestrol, I've known him for 20 years, has he got a device for you? It's a game changer. It's called the Executioner XXL. Exclusive to Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L. This is the bad boy of mozzie zappers. And just let me tell you, it's a total game changer. It doesn't just repel them, it annihilates them and does it fast. And it has a 300 meter square coverage. And now here's the kicker. If you order the Executioner XXL now, they're going to throw in 
the fabulous tennis racket zapper for free. For free. And it's not just practical, it's actually a lot of fun. But he only has 10. Only has 10 this morning to give away. So if you go to pestrol.com.au, order the executioner, double XL, you'll get the tennis racket zapper thrown in. And remember, everything that Pestrol sells, like all of my clients, comes with a money-back guarantee and a warranty. The code is BONA, B-O-N-A. So use the code BONA, and for the next 10 customers, because stocks are running low, the tennis racket zapper is yours. Do not let flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Grab the Executioner, double XL, and enjoy the great outdoors pest-free. Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, pestrol.com.au, everything for your home and garden. Lots to talk about in the quickie coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, Clue number three is on the podcast. I reckon today's clue will give it away. I I really do believe we'll uh, get rid of the quickie today. Tony, hello. Good afternoon, Mr. Bono. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Tony. You're in Townsville Um, from memory? Yes. Thank you very much for taking my call, mate. It's a pleasure, Tony. What's on your mind, buddy? I'm an avid listener. Thank you, Uh, Tony. That's great. A few things, mate. Listen, I'm not sure how to approach this. Um, You are a very special man. And what you say is unbelievable. I love it. Um, Ray Connell started pest control in Newcastle. Beg your pardon? Ray Connell started pest control in Newcastle back in 1980. Where, Where are we going with this? Nowhere. Anyway. Thanks for your call, Tony. One triple three five three. I don't know where that was going, Thomas, um, but we'll just keep moving. We'll we'll just keep moving. Ross, hello, Lukey boy. How are you, buddy? Oh God, stripe me pink. It's one of those mornings, is it, buddy? Now, just let me tell you. Where's your horn? No. <laughs> What's happened? You've been emasculated. <laughs> no, it's it's um I'm not in my truck today, I'm in the van, so Go, give me another listen. <laughs> you know what it sounds like. What? It sounds like he's in a clown car. It is. You you are in a clown have you got about sixteen other clowns in that car with you? No, there's only one big clown in this car. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Dear oh dear, oh dear. Um what's going on, mate? No, you're not. You're not guessing the quickie. You're barred for a week. No, I haven't been guessing the quickie because I leave it for everybody else to get. So, but um, mate, the reason for the phone call, the wife and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks, and we've come to the conclusion that this millennial, this these millennial kids aren't millennial kids. They should be known as the um, the sorry, I've lost what I was thinking of. Um, they're the baby bonus babies. Ah. They're not millennial kids. Because you look at it from the early 2000s, mm. parents were offered money, and the, the, the large money was substantial. I think it started off as $8,000, and as it went on, it sort of went to five. These kids weren't born because they were brought into the world to be loved and cherished and all the rest of it. They were brought in for greed. And so these kids know nothing but greed. So parents in a certain demographic... Because they know no different, so all they've gone out is done and bred kids to have money. 
That's all they've done. But forgetting that kids cost money to have. So, you know, we've got these kids with no respect, no authority, no no care in the world. And that's why we're getting all this youth crime, because they're not, they weren't brought into the world for the right reasons. Do you know what, Ross? Do you know what? We spoke to former police officer Mark Ainsworth, who has written about this. He's spoken about this. Um, he's a senior, ex-senior police uh, officer in Queensland who was saying exactly what you're saying. He was saying that a lot of the kids committing these crimes are the produce of the baby bonus where they were brought into the world by parents who didn't want children that just wanted the five grand per child. It's funny you should say that. Yeah, well, you you look at it. it th- those parents never cared about them or their feelings or what they wanted. All they cared about was getting a big screen TV or a new mobile phone, their drugs or alcohol or, or whatever there was. But they weren't brought into the world for the right reasons. And, you, you know, uh, if you're going to bring a child into the world, you do it for the right reasons. And, you know, they weren't. So I, I can understand where these kids are coming from. My daughter turned 18 on the weekend and we had a birthday party for her. And we only had about 15 kids at the place. And they were all so well-behaved. And you can see that they come from homes that they, they were cared about, you know. And then you, you get to certain demographic areas where the kids aren't... And, and they're, they're, they're the reasons why these kids are running around. Their parents haven't cared about them since day dot. So why, is there, why, why do they think that anybody else is going to care about them? Well, it's a very interesting theory. As I said, Mark Ainsworth... Uh, was saying that on this program last year. Ross, no wonder you, uh, you've you won Call of the Week before, haven't you? Oh, I've won it a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah because, because you've, you have a well-thought-out opinion. I thank you for your call, buddy. It's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, well, it's what happens when you sit in a vehicle travelling to work every morning for an hour and a half. You, 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 you think and... Uh, you think about things, yeah. Yeah, certainly do. And listening to your show always makes me think about things even more. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your call. Always good to hear your no, voice. Cheers, mate. No worries, mate. Catch you, buddy. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. Yes, Mark Ainsworth was a senior detective, uh, uh, a senior uh, police officer in Queensland. Yeah, that's right. And we spoke to him on the program sometime last year. We've spoken to him a twice. couple of times. I think we've spoken to him twice. Yeah. yeah. And he has some really, really strong thoughts on what's going on with juvenile crime. And one of his theories was that a lot of these kids are baby bonus kids. Let's have a little listen again to some of what Mark Ainsworth, a very senior and well-respected police officer who has been there and done that, who has some very strong thoughts on what the problem with juvenile crime is. Have a listen to this. This is Mark Ainsworth on the night shift last year. Look, this is not a new idea. There's plenty of places since I um, put my article on LinkedIn, plenty of people that have contacted me that run similar sort of operations. It's nothing new, so I don't want to claim it as my idea. But I think particularly with what we're seeing in Queensland, and as you mentioned, other, other jurisdictions around Australia, something has to be done. Uh, in Queensland here, um, from the outset, I'll just say I think we need to take the politics out of all of this. Um, I um, am not politically aligned to anyone. I'm just a member of the community now and have serious concerns about where this youth crime epidemic is heading. In that, I think... Yeah, I was about to say, I, I've always said that the juvenile crime will keep going on and these offenders will keep re-offending if there are no consequences. 
I mean, if the police who are doing a great job arrest somebody, they go before a magistrate and they're let straight back out again and reoffending later that day, that's going to continue if there aren't any consequences. 100%. And on that point there too, um, you know, in Queensland here, the government's response has been increasing maximum penalties, maximum sentences. Now, a lot of these kids aren't getting maximum sentences or maximum penalties. And in the defence of the judiciary, um, a lot of magistrates and judges are hamstrung by precedents in decisions. So I think what, what my suggestion here is, is about breaking that cycle of the continuing role, revolving door where kids are out there committing crime, the police do a good job, arrest them, put them before the courts, they get their bail and they're out doing the same thing again. Or secondly, they go into a, an institution, uh, the equivalent of a children's jail, where they're given three meals a day, they meet other like-minded people, kids, form friendships with them, and history has shown they, they become involved with a life of crime with those mates mm. once they get inside. Mm. What I'm saying is that what's happening at the moment over the years has proved to be very, very ineffective, which is leading us to the predicament we're in at the moment. Two, twofold about this um, rural idea is one, you know, gives the magistrates and judges an opportunity to send these recidivist youth offenders out to such a rural environment. And what I'm suggesting is an area um, where there's no access to social media, yes. no yes. mobile phones, if they decide they haven't had enough, they've had enough out there, and they want to get away from the area, they're in the middle of nowhere, and there's nowhere for them to go. Importantly, you need the right people running these sort of centres. Mm. Um, you have a look across Australia. There's a number of programs run by military veterans, yes. um, teaching skills, discipline, education, um, and there, there is one that's been operating for 12 years out in the Kimberleys in relating to our First Nations people which has been a successful program where they have a 70,000 acre or hectare property with cattle on, teaching these people skills in farming, looking after cattle and giving them a sense of ownership. And making um, fences. And I think that's the one cattle was talking about. It could be, yes. Yeah, I haven't, I'm not sure what he was talking about. But I, I see this twofold. One, the diversion by the courts to a program like this and two, the opportunity for parents and guardians who have wayward kids that they can't control with an opportunity for them to send them out there to try and you know, get ahead of the game before things get a lot worse. I'm talking with former Detective Superintendent Mark Ainsworth, who put a very interesting article online over the weekend, and he's had enough, like all of us, and he's got some, some ideas on how to maybe curb this juvenile crime spike that the whole country's experiencing at the moment. Uh, Mark... You also talk about making parents, the parents of these kids, financially responsible for their children's crimes. Um, what if the parents have got no money? Well, it's, that's two parts. But financially responsible for any restitution, because you have a look at it. A kid steals your car, Luke, um, gets involved in a chase or involved in other crimes and is written off. If you're insured, the insurance will pay that. Insurance premiums go up. Mm which affects the community because mm -hmm. of continual things like this. So I think there's got to be a level where twofold legislation, which is put in place, the government up here has talked about legislation and legislative change for increased penalties. How about considering some legislation 
to put some ownership and responsibilities on parents and guardians to properly supervise and look after their kids. You know, the simple questions were, what was your kid doing out at 2 o'clock in the morning? Where were you? Exactly. So if the parents were financially responsible for any damage these kids do, do you think that would make them better parents? I don't know whether it would make them better parents, but it certainly... um, hopefully instill a bit more of a responsibility in the parents to make sure they knew what their kids were doing. Um, a, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff for the child, for the kids involved in this, it can be, um, you know, through their upbringing themselves, you know, seeing mum and dad, you know, behaving the same way and becomes generational where they, they think that's normal behaviour. Um, I talked about the baby bonus, you know, I'm, I'm referring I was, to... I was, like, was going to bring you to that. Are you suggesting that some of these kids were born, were conceived purely for the five grand and the, and the parents have pretty much abandoned them. Is that what you're suggesting? 100%, but I'm not suggesting that for every single person that had a child during that $5,000 baby bonus program. I have spoken to a number of child safety uh, employees up here and uh, one in particular that worked in child safety north of Brisbane that around the time of the baby bonus in the global financial crisis, mm-hmm. they had a 30% increase, 30% of kids' babies being put on their doorsteps that the mothers could not look after. They struggled to get foster parents to look after these kids, and the workload went through the roof. And I'll tell you something else, Mark. During the baby bonus, um, the sales of formula and nappies didn't skyrocket like I expected. What skyrocketed was the sale of widescreen TVs. 100%. Exactly. And I think whilst, you know, that was something that government put in place around the time of the financial crisis, I don't think a lot of thought was put into the back end and the end result of what can occur. Mark Ainsworth on the program last year, a respected former senior detective, and he's called for an out-of-the-box approach to tackling youth crime including making parents financially responsible for their children's crimes. But he also believes that today's youth crime crisis could be in part attributed to children born during the baby bonus era. He said on my program um, that he believes that a lot of young offenders were born during the baby bonus era and the parents had children not because they wanted to raise children, but they wanted the $5,000 per child that was given to them. I don't know whether he's he's right or not, but that's his theory. Former Detective Superintendent Mark Ainsworth. And just getting back to what he said about parents being more responsible, but what do you say to people like Neville, my first caller this morning, who said his, 13, his, his daughter, who was then 13, was playing up something terrible. She was playing up absolutely deluxe. And... She was going to bed, and while they thought that she was, when she she was sleeping in a room, she was climbing out the window and going out and getting into all sorts of trouble. And so what he and his wife did was they put bars in the window and locked the door in a desperate attempt to keep their daughter inside and not out roaming the streets. And when the daughter mentioned to somebody at school that she was locked in her bedroom overnight, 
Next thing you know, a police officer arrived and said, it's unlawful imprisonment. You can't lock your 13-year-old daughter in your room. I could come back and I could charge you with unlawful imprisonment. This was our first call of this morning, Neville. Have a listen. I'm, I'm, got, I'm one of the parents. I'm 62 years old and I've got a daughter that's been through all that and I was threatened to be locked up because I locked her in a room and there was false imprisonment. Hang, and the hang, coppers... on, hang on a second. Ne- Neville, what's happened to your daughter? No, my daughter's 36 now, but when she was in her teens, we had so much trouble with her. She had a, a brother with special needs and she thought the world was against her. So she went out with a group of friends at 12 years old, jumped out the window, which is the reason why I ended up locking it. And then the cop had told me that I was, uh, it was false imprisonment and couldn't do anything about it. So the coppers are more frustrated than what we are, mate, especially when they see parents like me that, or like us um, that are willing to do something and want them to do something, mm. but they can't do anything. Tell your daughter's in her 30s now, but take me back. What happened? Take me, walk me right through it. Yeah, well, she, um, we were locking her in a room, obviously, before, be, uh, after she got out the window one night, and we got up to check her, and she was gone. Next thing we know, we've got a, the coppers rang us and said, we've got your daughter down here. I said, yeah, why? What, she's supposed to be in bed. So that's when we first found out that she'd um, mm. got out the window. So the copper said, can you please come and get her? I said, yep, no worries. So I said to my wife at the time, I said, uh, I'm not going down. I'm gonna, we're going to scare her. We've got to do something about it. Mm. Because the coppers, no one would do anything about us worrying what she was getting up to. So how old was she? Uh, she was about 13 at the time. 13. 12 or 13. And, what was she, and what was she getting up to? Uh, well, we never, when the coppers rang me, they said she'd broken uh, $20,000 or, or thereabouts worth of windows in a shopping centre. And, and, and she was doing this at night? At doing that at night. She's getting out the window and yeah. we didn't have a clue she was not there. Because I've always had jobs where I work night shift and my wife couldn't always keep an eye on her. But, um, yeah, the, when the coppers rang, I, I decided to leave it. And at, at about three hours, the copper rang me and he said, Neville, if you don't come and get this daughter of yours, he said, we'll lock you up. And he said, she's told us that you lock her in a room. That is false imprisonment and you can get into big trouble for it. Oh, first caller this morning, Neville. So you got Mark Ainsworth saying, well, parents need to step up and be responsible. Neville and his wife tried their best to keep their daughter inside because they found out that she was climbing out the window and smashing windows and getting into trouble. And the copper said, I could lock you up because locking your daughter in her room is false imprisonment. She was 13. One triple three five three. Um, David, hello. How you going, mate? I'm good, David. What's your story? Mate, I had the same problem with my 13-year-old daughter. She was 18 now. What happened? She was 13. She was sneaking out when I was at work. I worked night shift myself. I'm a truck driver. And she was sneaking out. Well, I caught her one night and locked the house up. Well, she rang the police. The police turned up and wanted to have me charged with holding her in the house. You too? Yep. So you tried to do the right thing, 
and you've tried to contain your daughter and keep her inside where she's safe and out of harm's way, and you two, like Neville, were threatened with being charged for wrongful imprisonment. Yep. All because she rang the police and told them that I wouldn't let her out. And then when the coppers turned up here, Mm -hmm. they they were talking to me about it, and I said, well, she's 13, she's not going out of this house. Well, they had spoke to her while I was standing outside with them. Mm -hmm. I heard one of the policemen turn around and say, your father cannot stop you from going out. You have all the rights in the world to do what you want to do. You're old enough to do what you want to do. And what was she wanting to do? She wanted to go with her boyfriend. And what was she getting up to? I don't know, Luke. But she's 13. So she's below the age of consent. She's your responsibility. How old was the boyfriend? My boyfriend was 14. He was 14. He's below the age as well. And what time of night was she wanting to go out with the 14-year-old boyfriend? The sneaking out was 2 o'clock in the morning. And what were they, where were they going? What were they getting up to? I don't know, Luke. But your daughter's 13. You, uh, you, like me, like any other father, it's your job to protect your daughter. Right, Luke. So you, parent, all the parent, parental rights have been taken off us, and like the policeman said to her, she can do whatever she likes. She's at the age that she knows what she's doing. Well, they actually stayed here because she said she didn't want to stay here with me. She wanted to go to her boyfriend's place. They let her, they helped her pack her stuff and moved her with her boyfriend. She hasn't been home since. Was the boyfriend living with his parents? He was living with his mother. And did you talk to this mother? Did you get to know her? No. How we old? How old is she now? She's eighteen now. How do you get on with her now? She comes around every now and then. So, so your relationship's estranged? Yes. Uh, All because um, me and her mother wouldn't let her do what she wanted to do when she wanted to do it. And the police said to you, we can charge you with unlawful imprisonment. They said they could have me charged with an un- unlawful imprisonment, yes. I don't know. what to say. I'm speechless. David, thanks for your call. I'm sorry to hear that. No, thank you, Luke. Okay. Yeah, you have a good day too. There you go. What do you, what do you do? What do you do? One triple three five three is the telephone number. You're listening to the night shift around Australia on the Triple M network. I have uh, recorded a conversation with the leader of the opposition in Queensland, David Crisofilli, who believes that the Justice Act needs to be rewritten, and like the rest of Australia and the rest of the world, uh, absolutely abhorred the, the stabbing of that lady, that poor lady in in um, in Brisbane last weekend. And uh, he's got some thoughts on what needs to be done. We'll talk to him next hour. This is the night shift on Triple M. The quickie is coming up in just a moment. It's got to go off today. The Fooey's here on the night shift with Luke Bonar. One triple three five three across Australia on the Triple M network and independent stations everywhere, like uh, B Rock FM in Bathurst, ninety nine point three, the Rock of the West. It is Thursday, February eight, and the quickie is coming up. In just, should I do it now? Here, what? Go on. Oh, yeah, do it. Okay. Indulge a little. Here we go. Here is the quickie. It's in its third day. Is it? No, fourth. We started on Monday. Yeah, it's a fourth day, third yeah. clue. Yeah. Here is the quickie. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. It sounds like this. Now, clue number one give us a hug. Clue number two, 
we're into the third dimension. And clue number three, today, it is a British artist. That'll get across. I'm surprised mm. this one has gone as long as it has. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a bit more oomph. A bit more oompa-pa. That's how it goes. Oompa-pa, oompa-pa, everyone knows. Oliver. Yes. That was Nancy's song in the pub while she was trying to distract Bill Sykes, who was played by Oliver Reed. Anyway, um, <laughs> I digress. It's a great rendition. It was a very good musical. Yeah. Was Have it, you seen the news series on Disney? Like, uh, do you know who did the uh, musical ad- adaptation? I've interviewed him. Really? Yes, his name was Lionel Bart. Li- look it up. Yes. Lionel Bart. And um, he was the bloke who did the Oliver Twist musical. It won all sorts of awards. Um, and Jack Wilde was the Artful Dodger. Yes. Uh, who sang all those great songs. He went on to become Jimmy in HR Puff and stuff. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, you bloody go. I wouldn't lie to you. And you remember the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie? Yes. Well, he played had a little part in that, Jack Wilde. Did he? He did. Until he died of liver failure and alcohol poisoning. But anyway. (laughs) Brought the mood down. Jack, I know. I know. But anyway, there you go. Where were we at? Oh, the quickie. The quickie. quickie. It needed some oompa-pa. It needed a bit of oomph. That's the quickie. One triple... One triple, I, I digress. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, if it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. It's an amazing all organic fertilizer. Everyone's raving about it. I mean, you can't do better than this from Pat, who rang me a couple of weeks ago. But I put some on my lawn, Luke, in a certain spot. Yep. And a couple of weeks later, when my lawnmower man came and said, "What's happened to your lawn?" Mm. He said, "What?" Well, I said, "Why?" He said, "Because it's grown really well here and it's." short over there so there you go so I, my, my petunias had grown at least six inches you know in in about a week and a half and as i said to thomas if i hadn't have had that mm. and seen it for myself uh so anybody who's who's doubting that it doesn't work it surely does it surely does pat god love you and we need to send you some more swift grow and we need you to buy it and put it in your lawns in your pot plants, in your gardens. If it's, if it's green and it grows, it's going to love Swift Grow. Five-litre bottle for just 120 bucks, and it will last you forever. Free delivery anywhere in Australia. And I'm so proud of Swift Grow because we discovered it here on the night shift four years ago. And now it's all over the world. Put it all over your garden. You'll thank me. Swift Grow. If it's green and it grows, you will love swiftgrow.com.au. You're listening to the night shift. So there we go. It's a big day today. Um, one triple three five three. You know the telephone number. Here is the quickie. Okay, I'll give you the clues again. Clue number one. Give us a hug. Clue number two. We're entering the third dimension. Whatever the hell that means, Thomas. That's got you all over it. <clears throat> and clue number three. It's a British artist. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. That is the quickie. Have a crack, folks. Nothing like a bit of ZZ on a Thursday to get you going. Are you with me? Are you with me on that? Um, this is the night shift around Australia, One triple three five three. Uh The quickie, I think people, it's too hard, Thomas. We need to give it away. 
It's too hard. I told you this on Monday. What is, what's this go with the third dimension? What the hell are you talking about there? Oh, you know I'm a little out there. It you all are. makes sense when it's all revealed. You are out there. Yeah. Folks, if you snore, you know you snore. If you suffer from sleep apnea, you could be doing your body a lot of damage. Um, sleep apnea can lead to heart disease. It can lead to all sorts of complications. And it can be treated easily and more affordably than you ever imagined through Sove, S-O-V-E, Sove, the CPAP specialists. Sove.com.au. They have all the latest CPAP machines and accessories. They have all the leading brands, ResMed, Philips, Fisher & Paykel. They can tailor a treatment just for you. And for only a dollar up front, and for $4 a day, less than $4 a day, less than a cup of coffee, you could be sleeping beautifully. Doing your family and your partner a favor, doing yourself a favor, and feeling better after a brilliant night's sleep, a night's sleep like you've never had before. You've got nothing to lose. Con and, and to get tested, and, and by the way, see your doctor, always consult with your doctor, but to get tested, the folks at Sovey can look after bulk billing. Sovey. .com.au, 1-300-762-939. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions. Minimum amounts and exclusions apply, but do yourself a favour. Just inquire. Sovey. Tell them you heard it. Tell them you heard it on with Luke on Triple M. 1-300-762-939 or just go to sovey.com.au. Leader of the opposition in Queensland, David Crucifilli, joining us shortly. Um, Jeremy in South Australia. Whereabouts are you, Jeremy? Yeah, good day, mate. Uh, Riverland, South Australia. Where's that? Uh, I haven't been there. Uh, Glossop, uh, Berries, probably, what, three, two, three, two and a half, three hours out of Adelaide. Okay, and what's it famous for? What's, River, what's Riverland famous for? Ah, uh, you've got three or four local towns probably 30, 40 k's apart, all on the Murray River. Uh, so you've got all your water sports, your skiing. Your, we just had the dinghy derby. Did you? Just, yeah, just up here, which is all the dinghy racing. I, I up didn't, here at Remark. I didn't know. Go on. Yeah, so a few other bits and pieces on the river. So Riverland. Yeah, yep, Riverland, South Australia. Riverland, South Australia. And yeah, it's a group of towns. It, it's a group of towns. What are the towns? Oh, you got Loxton, where I'm from, but I work over in uh, Berry or Glossop. And then we've got Wakery, and you've got Renmark, and you've got Barmera. Barmera's got the lake. How far out of Adelaide? Uh, uh, two, and a half, two and a half to three hours out of Adelaide. Okay, and, and would you go there for a holiday? Yeah, yep, yep. yep. You would? You've got the big, big four caravan parks. It's up at Renmark and uh, one at Barmera on the lake with a lot of... Um, a lot of water sports, a lot of water features on the lake. So, Well, there you go. I love learning about new places. And please forgive my ignorance, but I've never been there. And maybe I should, Jeremy. Yeah, venture up. Have a look around. I should. Riverland, the Riverland area in South Australia. Look it up, folks. Good on you, Jeremy. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm an electrician. I uh, work here at the, at the winery. So I listen to you. What's what? the winery? What winery? Yeah. Uh, Accolade Wines. Okay, and you're, you're, you're the resident Sparky, are you? Oh, I'm on shift tonight, yeah. Okay, good on you. And um, how long ago did you do your apprenticeship? 
Oh, I finished my apprenticeship 2007. Yeah, and was it worth it? Oh, yeah. We're talking about how Australia has a skills shortage and uh, a lot of people are finding it hard to find apprentices. Do you have an apprentice? Yeah, we've got two apprentices. Are they good? Yeah, yeah, yep. How old are they? Switched on. Oh, no, you tested me. Oh, it doesn't matter. But uh, you've got two apprentices. Well, good on you. You're keeping you're keeping the wheel turning. Jeremy, that's not why you rang up. But when I heard that you were from Riverland, South Australia, um, um, my um, my interest went up because I, I, I like to learn about different places that listen to me around Australia. So thank you for that. Why are we ringing? No, I'm ringing to have a go at the cricket. Oh, mate. God, I hope after all that you win it. No, I don't know if I've got it right or not. Okay, go. Well, I'm guessing it's third eye. Third Eye Blind, and I'm going with Never Never Let You Go, I think it was called. Now, you heard the, you heard the clues. Yeah, the clues really stuck out to me. Those two two clues was mm-hmm. the, oh, the two you gave away last night. What? And uh, me and my brain just clicked on to, oh, Third Eye Blind. No. His, um, you're thinking dimension. of the Third Dimension, yeah. Yeah. Give us a hug. It's a British artist. Yeah. No, Jeremy. Oh, well. I'm sorry, buddy. Hey, listen, enjoy your life there at Riverland, South Australia, and thank you for telling us about it. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, mate. Oh, this is a a more important question. What radio station do you listen to me through? No, I'm listening on the the Listener app. On the Listener app. God bless you. Good on you, Jeremy. Have a great day today, mate. Good on you, mate. See ya. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Hello, Rhiannon. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good, thank you. What what are we talking about? Cash is king. Oh, Bob Catter, he's not happy. Um, the dining room in Parliament House wouldn't accept his $50 note when he went to pay for his fish. And he's spewing. But apparently it's not a legal requirement to accept cash. It's up to the retailer. What do you think? As a small business owner? Yes. Um, what do you do? I think you rule out a lot of people if you don't accept cash. Yeah. Like, I, I'm in rural Australia. I'm in, um, or regional, really. Um, yeah. I'm in Cairns. Um, and, you know, there's still, like, a lot of people out there that pay cash. Mm. Um, it, depend, and- it depends on who you are and what you do. You're 100% correct. And, and you wouldn't want to cut out half of your business or a third of your business. Uh, by knocking back cash. But I guess if you have a restaurant in Parliament House where I would say 99.999% of your customers um, are big, fat, overpaid politicians who go in there and have a meal, uh, which is subsidised by the Australian taxpayer, and they just flash a card. And it, yeah. there's probably no need for cash. Um, can we talk about your FPOS? Like somebody was talking about FPOS before. Yes. Um, like as a small business owner, so um, you know each different company that you like go with, mm. like your banks, your Square Up, like you know PayPal, mm. all of them, they all charge a different rates. So you know, and and then you've got other people. So this is where you can see real greed from a business perspective, where you know um, everybody wants to have a finger in the pie. Mm. So you've got. Like, you know, we, for my own business, we use Square Up, which is 2.7%. But I'm a florist and we're leading into Valentine's Day. And, you know, I get mm. a lot of 
um, orders. They'll come through. On the um, phone. I bet you they come through on the phone. Yeah, there's a lot that come through on the phone as well, particularly tradies that are on so the hands you, So you're going to need FPOS. You're going to need a credit card facility. Yes. At the same time, um, I also have the option for people to direct transfer to our um, bank because, you know, yeah. like there's just so many fees involved. But, like, you know, um, you've got a lot of people that buy online and say, for instance, Afterpay mm. takes 8% of the sale. Does it? Yeah, but you're also still paying your regular fee for the other company, like whether that be Commonwealth or um, Square Up to tr- process that transaction. So by the end of it, you're at like 11%. So that 11% has to come from somewhere. And usually, like, I'm lucky as a florist, I can take 11% out of the flowers because I have a product that I have to make on demand. Yeah. But if I was selling like a handbag or something, like, yeah. you know, that really eats into my profit margins. I either need it to massively inflate even more than like what, what it normally is. Mm. So retail, they generally run off 30%. But like, you know, you've got other companies, like everybody wants a piece of the pie. So, you know, you'll get the people that tap on Square, it's 2.7%. But for me, Valentine's Day, all those phone orders, if you yeah. manually enter that, you have to pay like nearly three and a half percent. And so um, even with, you know, um, your website um, stores, they all have to process between like WooCommerce or Stripe or like whoever is background, um, I guess, like money merchant. Um, They will take a, a piece of the pie too. But like I work in an industry and this is like very prevalent to, um, anybody out there listening and is thinking about buying flowers uh, for Valentine's Day, um, you know, there's companies like Interflora, mm-hmm. Easy mm-hmm. Flowers, mm-hmm. Petals. If you order through them, they take a 35% cut. 35? Yep. But there's other ones that are worse. Uh, they take up to 65%. So if you spend- yeah, and, and, and people who own small hotels and pubs right throughout Australia, people book through TripAdvisor or one of those online booking agencies, they take about the same as well. Yes. You're better off ringing direct to the pub or the motel and say, listen, I, I just looked you up online and I want to stay three nights in, in, in March and dealing with them because you'll probably get a discount anyway. Yeah. Well, see, look at this for a different sort of thing. So you've got $100, right? This is your budget, your whole budget to get your flowers yes. and it's delivery. Yes. So um, Interflora has recently uh, teamed up with DoorDash. Interflora takes 35%. DoorDash oh. takes a further 20%. Wow. Now, if we can do our maths here, this is 55% of your $100 that is gone. So you are literally ending up with a $45 bunch. Now, the problem is these companies, like, you know, they price gouge. Um, people always compare florist prices to Coles and Woolies. Coles and Woolies do a little thing called looming. It's where they lure you in with their cheap flowers, but they're going to charge you way more for things like your meat. So they're making up for the value somewhere else. But, um, you know, and, and Australian-grown flowers and stuff last a whole lot longer, and it's really... It's really hard when you've got people that say, you know, um, but I can get it at Coles for like a third of the price. Yeah, and then, of course, you've got those men on Valentine's Day that have forgotten everything and they 
scrape the very bottom of the barrel and go servo. Yeah. Servo flowers. But, like, I, I'm... Talking- but I've got to tell you, that we, we've got an IGA up the road and they have flowers at the front. They're not cheap. They are not cheap at all. No. Like, flowers have always been a luxury item. Always, always, yeah, always. Yeah. You, you've got to pay your farmers, like, the, the money that they're worth. And there's some flowers, like a Lysianthus. I know that most people out there doesn't know, don't know what that looks like, but that takes six months to grow. That single flower... And it's like, you know, and then you've got peonies, but they won't actually bear a decent amount of flowers for three years. It's the same with a rose bush. They won't bear enough for a farmer to be able to, like, get a decent cutting. So that's three years that they, and, and even your Australian natives, um, people have no idea what goes into it. And, like, I used to um, work doing the elections and stuff. Um, and I used to say to people like that would bring in their kid because, you know, kids are learning about politics at school. They just don't understand the concept. And so I put it into a real-life perspective, and I teach kids about um, Labor and Liberal, and I call them Coles and Woolworths. And, uh, and then we've got the, all the little independents and the corner stores, and we'll call them IGA. Um, and nah, those- IGA's more like the Greens or the Democrats used to be. Yeah, but they still stand up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's those small little places that sit there and tell the big boys, Coles and Woolies, you can't charge $2 for milk because, you know, it actually used to be a dollar for milk, a dollar a litre. And That's it's right, like, yeah. But the, but the farmers at the farm gate were getting screwed there too. There's some round, and I hear what you're saying, mate, and I know that you work in a very, very difficult uh, field there. It is a luxury item, and flowers are not cheap. Um, but, uh, look, when's Valentine's day? Oh, it's in six days. So if you want, is it really, please like, you know, support, support your local florist because okay. those are the ones that do the hard yards. But my missus, she doesn't like flower bunches of flowers. She likes something in a pot that can keep growing. Oh, florists sell them too. Yeah. Don't you worry. Okay. Rihanna, something for everybody. Rihanna, nice to talk to you, mate. Um, can I mention one more thing? Very quickly. If you're going to buy flowers and you go online and you see a white background and it's photoshopped images, that is a third party and they're going to take your money. Literally, find somebody else. Your local florist is waiting for your phone call. And try and ring them directly. If you go through into Flora and all those others, yes, they take a huge, huge swipe out of your profits. So try and ring your local florist. Look for their number online because we don't have white and yellow pages anymore. But try and find your local florist and ring them directly and talk to them directly. There you go, Rhiannon. I've done my best. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Nate. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye. One triple three five three. I mean, she has a point. Um, Nick, hello. Yes, how you going? I'm good, thanks. Nick, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to have a crack at the quickie. Have a crack at the quickie. Here it is again. What is it? I heard it on Monday and I heard your clue saying, give us a hug. And I thought it would throw your arms around me by hunters and collectors. That is such a great thought. and What a great song. And guess what? What? Nah. Ah, bugger. Sorry, Nick. I really am. What a very good guess. Michael, hello. Hello. Yes, Michael. Yeah, it's like a a guess at the quickie. Yeah, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Tasmania. Okay, go. I think it's Chris Rea, Let's Dance. No, it does sound like it too. It's not. Sorry, buddy. We'll keep thinking. One triple three five three is the telephone number.
Well, Australia is aghast today. We were aghast last week when we heard of that stabbing at the Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. And all of Australia, everybody has condemned what's gone on. And this poor woman, 70 years of age, grandmother Violene White, stabbed in the chest in an alleged car robbery at the Red Bank Plains in Ipswich. And then we find out that the 16-year-old boy accused of the stabbing murder was on bail. He'd been on bail for multiple armed robbery offences at the time. The teen had been charged with three counts of armed robbery last year. And listen to this. A court granted him bail. And this is despite the police strongly opposing it. And the revelations came as the Premier of Queensland, Stephen Miles, took the extraordinary step of seeking advice on changing magistrate behaviour after only one of the four who presided over the hearings for five teens linked the stabbing of the 70-year-old woman opened their courtroom to the media. Violene White fatally stabbed in the underground car park of her local shops at the Red Bank Town Centre last Saturday. And her Hyundai gets allegedly stolen. And the circumstances are just so shocking. But to find out that the 16-year-old boy accused of the stabbing murder was out on bail and a magistrate had released this person on bail after being charged with three counts of armed robbery and the police vigorously suggesting that he be refused bail and stay in custody because he was a danger to society and that that plea going unnoticed by a magistrate. What do you do? And Premier Stephen Miles now wants to seek advice on changing magistrate behaviour. The leader of the opposition in Queensland is David Crucifilli, and he joins me now. David, good morning to you. Oz Crawl here on the night shift with Bona. Simon, hello. How are you, mate? I'm good. Where are you? I'm on the freeway. Well, gee, that narrows it down. Yeah, mate. What freeway? I'm heading up to Charlie. Oh, okay. All right. It's the M1. Uh, is it Pink Floyd? Um, wish you were here. No, it's not. I'm sorry, Simon. Have a good day. Travis, hello. How you going? Good, thanks. You're in Adelaide. Another call yeah, from Adelaide. Mate. Yeah, yeah. Travis from Adelaide. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Travis. That's the way. Uh, I reckon it's Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Fingers crossed. I'll, I'll go with that one. Say that again. Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. No. I can't give it to you, Trav. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. I can't give that. I can't give it. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, for those of you who listen regularly to the night shift, uh, yeah, we had Senator Pauline Hanson on earlier this week and we were once again talking about youth crime and she said, you know, there's an organisation called Hard Yakka and it's run by a bloke who used to be in the army. His name is Bob Davis and he runs a military style boot camp for troubled youth. And she said, from what I hear, he's getting amazing results.
And I went, hard yakka. I'll look it up. And we did our homework. And sure enough, there is this, the results this bloke gets is just amazing dealing with troubled youth, usually young men. From what I understand, he would like to open a hard yakka for, for girls as well, but he's finding it difficult to get the female instructors all lined up, but he's working on it. But it's called Hard Yakka, and it's a military-style boot camp to try and pull troubled youth into line and take the chip off their shoulder and put pride back in their hearts. We've tracked him down. We found him. And he's coming up next here on The Night Shift. There it is. It was easy, wasn't it? It was easy, this entering the world of three-dimensional... Thomas, where do you get this stuff from? Seriously. A brand new quickie coming up tomorrow on the Man Cave. Uh, we'll think of something today. We'll make it relatively easy. Will we? Will we or not? Surely. Surely. Uh, one thing is for sure. It could be it anything. Could be anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those leaving me for your breakfast programs, have a jolly good Thursday. Those staying with me, lots more to come, including news headlines with Maddie Larson. Van Halen here on the Night Shift. Good morning, Australia. And welcome to Thursday, February 8. Maddie Larson has all the news that you're waking up to today in, uh, in just a second, including Prince Harry, who has been spotted at Heathrow just 24 hours after flying to visit his sick father, the King. Uh, better conditions in the way for workers with the closing of the loopholes bill set to pass Parliament today. And former AFL star Craig Stewart diagnosed with CTE after his death last year. And Taylor Swift fans angry at the ridiculous bracelet rules. If I can get Maddie Larson's head out of her bracelet, we'll have those stories and more in a sec. It is time to look at the news stories you're waking up to today. Thursday, 8th of February, and Maddie Larson from Triple M News joins us live. Good morning to you, Madeline Larson. Good morning, Luke. Okay, before I before you get your head out of the Tay-Tay bangles and gear that you're going to take off to the concert. Let's talk about the news headlines. More on Tay-Tay in just a second. Prince Harry, he's been spotted at Heathrow. Yes, we announced yesterday that he had left and was going to be by his father's side. Yes, well, now he has been spotted uh, back at Heathrow uh, just uh, 24 hours after flying in to see his sick dad. So he's now reportedly on his way back to LA. So they've had the meeting now, and he's going. Yeah, that's right. Quick in, quick back out. Uh, so, obviously, after hearing of his cancer diagnosis, the Duke of Sussex flew across continents and met with the King uh, yesterday. Uh, this was breaking just as we were speaking yesterday, Luke, but turns out that it was just for a short 45 minutes before the monarch and Queen Camilla left for Sandringham yesterday. Should have just FaceTimed uh, him. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's all about the message, though, isn't it? Seeing someone in person sends a stronger signal than over yeah, the phone, okay. I suppose, given the family drama that they've had. But at the same time, I mean, it was so quick. Um, it, it's understood that Harry did not ever meet with his brother, Prince William, or Princess Kate. And as you know, she's recovering from abdominal surgery and was released from hospital recently herself. Um, but this meeting, although short, just 45 minutes, uh, uh, some uh, reporters are saying that it may have been the first formal meeting between Harry and Charles since the Queen's funeral in 2022. 
Um, and that's because while Harry attended his father's coronation in May last year, they were not seen interacting. So it still was significant, but apparently already on his way back to LA. So yeah, very short Gee, meeting. It was very quick, 45 minutes. Hey, better conditions mm. on the way for workers? Yes, amazing news today for workers. So the closing loopholes to bill is set to pass parliament today. So the majority of senators have backed the federal government's legislation and it would give casual workers a clearer path to permanency and introduce world-leading minimum standards for gig workers and our truckies. Now, new workplace laws are set to pass, uh, so that is welcome news. Now, just to break it down a bit further, uh, uh, the jobs minister says that it will end the concept of a forced permanent casual by providing this pathway for casuals that want to uh, seek more secure permanent work and simplify the process for employers. Now, um, Labor has also agreed to this right to disconnect rules uh, in mm. order to get cross-bench support. Now, uh, Green Senator Barbara Pocock has spoken with listeners the briefing podcast uh, and explains that it's essentially about giving workers the legal right to ignore out-of-hours contact without penalty. Take a listen. We can't overturn the power relations of a growing and large insecure workforce in the Australian labour market, but we can provide more support to give that worker a bit more backup, and that's what a right to disconnect is really aimed at. Okay. And this is essentially to stop uh, workers from having to deal with unpaid overtime by answering uh, calls out of hours. Uh, but businesses have slammed these rules uh, for a lack of consultation, so they still are controversial. But what's your thoughts, Luke? Do you do you think people should answer their phone? It depends. And the, urgent, it depends yeah. on the arrangement you have with your boss. And if you clock on and clock off, if you have one of those jobs, and you, sh you should not uh, have to work without being paid. But if you work in our industry... <laughs> Pardon me. Sometimes you might get called up. Someone's sick. Mads, can you come in and do news in the, for breakfast here tomorrow? And uh, you need to be on call to be able to do that. It depends on your workplace relationship. And I don't think it needs to be legislated. I think you can sort it out with a handshake and a, and a reasonable agreement. Fair trading, that's what they're there for. Very quickly, um, what's going on with Tay-Tay and the bracelet rules? And we had so much trouble getting through you this morning because your head was stuck in one. What's going on? Oh, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I know, Just going I know. Get that out there. <laughs> so mean. Okay, so uh, Frontier Touring has released new rules ahead of Taylor Swift's Aussie tour. And they've said that while uh, they can wear these iconic friendship bracelets, they must be worn on arms and not D-rings. Now, some wild fans have actually purchased 400 of them. What? They've, uh, got, yeah, I know. Hang and on, they've gotten angry. They've so gone on social media. So Taylor, they don't know how to wear them. So it's Taylor Swift merch, kind of, is it? No. So they've made it themselves. So basically right. it's from... Uh, her album Midnight, yeah. uh, there is lyrics within a song that say, so make the friendship bracelets, take the moment and taste it. Ah. And people just came up with this idea to start making Taylor Swift friendship bracelets. Ah. Some fans suggesting that they um, even swap them with each other at this um, Errors Tour show that's coming up as well. So, so they're not allowed to wear them. this big thing. No, they have to wear them on their arms. Okay. But some have purchased 400 of them. Oh, they were right. probably going to so take got them to with them. They've got to stay on the arms. Mm -hmm. No, you can't shake them off. No, you can't shake them off. You've got to keep them on. Don't shake them in there. You see what I did there? See, Thomas. I did. That was very I saw exactly good. what you did there. See, 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 <laughs> you see what I did there, Thomas? And it's wasted. What, am I, do, what am I doing? They say, Luke. 
We want you to soar like an eagle, but we'll surround you with turkeys. I mean, really. What Spoken the... like a true Taylor Swift fan, Luke. Yeah, I know. I'm very deep. I'm not, I, <laughs> she does nothing for me either. But neither does that Padam <laughs> thing that Kylie won a Grammy for. So I am really, really. I didn't. I did enjoy watching Joni Mitchell. There you go. I'm hip. I'm with it. Uh, so the friendship bracelets. There you go. I've just learned something. Hey, Maddie Larson, brilliant job for us this week. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Luke. Okay. Have you got get your hand out of the bracelet? Okay. God, the Tay-Tay bracelet. I had no idea. I'm learning something every time. Our podcast will be available soon. It'll be a, a killer podcast today. A new quickie tomorrow, The Man Cave at midnight. Hope you can join me. Have a great day. To die's first die. To die's first die. First day a shepherd's pie. Wednesday's a roast to be. Tuesday's soup. Monday is washing day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.